It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today. Day to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
All right, well, we are right now waiting for the Daniel himself to come on live here on the Spirit Wars broadcast. Broadcasting from Taipei Main Station in Taiwan. And we are definitely going to go down some rabbit trails of the spirit. I'm going to ask him some questions like, can a Christian have an altar? Split personality. And can there be such thing as a good altar? So very soon we are going to go live. If anybody has any questions that they'd like to ask Daniel, hopefully this won't be the last interview. If we can manage to behave ourselves on this Spirit Wars transmission, which can be somewhat of a trip at times. We like to have fun around here. We like to go places where no man has gone before. We like to make weird intros because it's a journey and it's a fun swashbuckling romance of the kingdom. Going where no man has gone before in, in relation to Jesus as the bride, as to eschatology, knowing about the future, knowing that we're living in these end times. On the Fringe Network, knowing that there's an assembly of Christians coming together right here. You should listen to Bride Ministries' Daniel Duvall on Discovering the Truth with Daniel Duvall um, right here on Fringe Radio Network. And he has been on Hagman and Hagman Report. He's been interviewed by the Canary Cry Radio Duo. He is a man of extreme intelligence and courage. Um, he's not listening yet, I don't think, so we're going to see if we can get him on in just a moment. But one of the things that I've noticed about him is that he has the courage of, say, like uh, Ian Clayton that I've interviewed and some of these mystics that... They're not afraid to share some of their goods, some of their wild stuff. They're not afraid to open the rabbit hole and say, Hey, you know, the Lord showed me this. However, there is a time and a place for that kind of stuff. And um, recently there's been a big controversy with uh, John Crowder and Ian Clayton and another guy named Jonathan Welton and some other guy, I forgot. And just, you know, splits in the church. People arguing about, you know, doctrine and, you know, this sounds imaginary and where did you get that revelation and how should we trust that and why are you preaching that? And I think that those things are for those who want that, who are interested in finding healing for altars, interested in um, getting uh, freedom in those areas if they went through something like that. It's not for everybody. It's not meant to be forced on people. That's for sure. So, in any case, I just want to say I'm not afraid of anything, I think. I haven't seen everything in the world. I did once almost have an out-of-body experience that was so real and vivid, I, I kind of chickened out. I was like, my gosh, I mean, I'm, I'm used to seeing stuff in my own head, but actually seeing it? Like, oh my gosh! Dude, it's just not rad. I don't know if I can do it. I mean, I've seen, I think I've seen angels before. I, I worked with this very controversial group, the Family International, that people are terrified of in the church system. They think it's just the most horrible, evil cult in the universe. But I was among these people for quite a period of time until the group finally decapitated itself. And I saw angels that people 
we're using in spiritual warfare. I mean, that's not anti-biblical. The Bible, and this is a show I hope to do with um, with Mr. Lovett, the missionary from Wisconsin that I just posted. The idea that, you know, angels and interacting with angels is a pretty normal part of being a Christian. It should be. In fact, the Bible in the early church days, they were saying, like, even when Peter got out of prison, there was some weird stuff. There was, like, people thinking um, that it was Peter's angel or some kind of an angel of his presence is the exact term used, I believe. Um, when when he was at the door. They didn't believe it was actually him. So there's a lot of mysteries in the Bible. There's a lot that we just don't know. There's um, probably going to be a lot more weirdness. It's been 2,000 years. I don't think God stays stagnant. He never changes, but then our understanding of him should always be getting updated. And you know what? I'm just excited to see what else God's got up his sleeves. And one thing that... um, I was contacted recently by a former um, Marine Corps signet who is now uh, working in the DOJ, Department of Justice. And so that was kind of a scary bio to read of someone that's been listening to you and then wants to talk to you through my YouTube channel, the Keyblades YouTube channel. And um, he was like, hey man, you know, I just wanted to let you know I'm listening to you. I, I noticed you don't seem freaked out like most people about all this stuff. And I'm like, well, thanks a lot. Um, are you supposed to be freaked out about all this stuff? But just to say that when you know these scary things, it's easy to lose your calm. It's easy to lose your peace because everything is so negative. You know, people are they're really at a loss as to what, what to do about all this information. It can become very overwhelming. So then, you know, I'm just, I'm just like, you know, a gamer, kind of a game nerd in some ways, probably tell. Well, I kind of sound a little nasally sometimes. And, you know, I got the star. I found out that we're invincible. We got Jesus. Oh, yeah. And we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live in fear. We, we're actually going to kick butt like nothing before. And uh, when you realize, like, how powerful Jesus is, and that um, he's given us the keys of the kingdom and angels galore. I don't feel a lot of fear. I'm, I'm kind of like looking forward to it, actually. I'm like, well, when is this beast system going to finally get going so we can see God really do stuff? But I think what we're going to see is that he's doing stuff right now, but it's on the internal inner dimension that you might... Everybody says it's imaginary, it's made up, it's new age. Well, I'm sorry, but just down the street from where I am right now, I, I walked smack dab right into Ian Clayton in a hotel lobby just an hour after listening to some teachings of his in the morning and having blogged about him and YouTubed about him and talked about his stuff. And then suddenly, next thing I know, I'm talking to him. And he's like, oh, who are you? And I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm a fan. He gives me um, a little kind of a, a key word to get his attention in his email box so he'll know that he met me and that he needs to get in touch with me again. And I said goodbye. And got in touch with him a couple years later when the Lord opened the door for me to come on this network, the Fringe Radio Network. I had actually written an article about Ian Clayton 
calling him to the fringe. You can look it up. It's from 2012. A plea to Ian Clayton to come join the fringe. <laughs> you know? And I wasn't... I didn't even know what the fringe radio network was yet. I knew who Johnny Iron was. I knew, um, you know, some of his friends. I knew about L.A. Marzulli. But I was just saying it in terms of, like, why don't we get him with Daniel Ott? Because Daniel Ott's got such a, a cool repertoire of guests. And... I thought, well, what if we had him on there and he's talking to New Agers and, and instead of just sticking to the churches where he is. So um, I had no idea that I was going to actually meet the guy. And I'd been trying out his court system, everything. You know, I knew that it was real. I knew that, you know, we can uh, do this stuff. We're still waiting for Daniel Duval to come on. I'm... Um, calling him at this moment he's very very busy man he's got a lot on his schedule i'm actually i'm very very thankful that he he changed the schedule for me this is actually like an hour and a half late what we originally planned that was my fault there's a lot going on on this side of the world but you can pray for us but all that to say um i noticed a lot of weird um, timing things with ian clayton and this is the guy that basically i'm not going to name names anymore. I'm just saying that mainstream Christians just don't like him. You know, they don't, they don't like, a lot of people don't like him because he's just so convicted about what he believes and about all this stuff. And, and he's not afraid to, to get into it. He's not afraid to, um, speak very, very, uh, bravely and boldly about that. So yeah. Anyway, we're going to see a lot more action in the days ahead and if you aren't afraid of spiritual warfare if you're not afraid of these things well you can start entering in behind the veil you can start seeing um what god has to show you and you know if that's not your bag of candy then just hey just read the bible just read the bible you know get in the bible and stay in the bible and you know what if you're a mystic stay in the bible if you're into whatever you're into, you should stay in the Bible. That's the number one rule right there. And I will admit, a lot of these mystics don't really know their Bible. So, um, I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say here, but let's just pick up another example. Uh, Brandon Barthrop, really great guy, really drunk in the spirit, but, you know, sometimes he says things that are just against the Bible. And I don't know if he says them just to kind of get attention or... Because I don't think he actually believes those things that he says sometimes. But, but you know, if, if you knew the Bible really well, enough to know what you're allowed to not add to it, but to build on it, then you will be building on everlasting foundations. And getting visions, getting prophecies, interacting with spirits, angels, spirits, not... I mean, Christians seem like they only want to talk to demons all day. They don't want to talk to angels or God, you know, it's like we're only allowed to talk to the dark side, and what's up with that, man? My grandfather, Don Basham, wrote the book on spiritual warfare called uh, Deliver Us From Evil, among many others. So I grew up hearing this stuff, and I was always like, well, man, why don't we ever talk about good stuff? All right, I think Dale and Duvall is about ready to come on, so we're going to play a song, and then we'll be on soon.
Wow, praise you, Lord. That was Our Father, Holy Is Your Name by Daniel Lovett, another Daniel. You can go check out his music. I'll um, post the link in the chat in just a moment. So I just spoke with Daniel DeVaughn, and we're about to go live. We are both busy people. He has just gotten married and has moved recently, and it's just, I'm sure the enemy's fighting him like no, nothing, like nothing ever before. That's why we gotta stand up for each other and fight the devil wherever we find him. I'm gonna play this song. It's called "Blow Away" by Voss Myers and Jason Payone. It's a it's an old spiritual warfare song, actually, from the Family International back in their their glory days. Back when I joined them. He had some pretty good stuff, actually, in the spiritual warfare department. Using the keys of the kingdom against the enemy. So, blow away. Oh, man, I love this song. Oh, I love to fight the devil. Hmm.
Oh yeah! Blue Wayne! <laughs> I love to blow away the enemy. I just love to fight the devil. It just makes me feel so good. It makes me feel so alive. Thank you, Lord, for one more day to destroy the enemy. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. I just love the feeling of combat. I love utilizing every spiritual weapon in my arsenal to just cream him and crush him and torture him. You know, Daniel Duvall talks about torturing the devil. He's like, why should we show him any quarter? Look how he treats us. Why are people so nice to the devil? But what we're going to be experiencing tonight, I'm going to try to go down the, the rabbit hole in the sense of, hey, well, about all this Christian altar stuff, what about Christians, you know? Like, if you can have an altar, is, is that something that means God, you know, has designed us to be able to handle that? Because it just seems weird to me. But hey, you know, the people that he's interviewed, if you go to Bride Ministries and you listen to the amazing people on his show, there's just some really wild stories. Like, you're not really sure what to make of half of it. But hey, you know, Gans Shimura, you know, did the design for the book for the, for his cover. Um, for Higher Realms of the Kingdom. Let me get that direct title. And, you know, he's accepted in, in these circles of, of Christians that would probably otherwise not like some of this stuff. It's too weird. It's weird stuff, man. But the point is, we're dealing with an enemy that thinks he owns the market on all that is weird. There's a show called Rick and Morty that is not recommended for people who are sensitive to strong language and sexual themes. But when I read Daniel Duval's book, Higher Dimensions, Parallel Dimensions, and the Spirit Realm, forward by Josh Peck, nonetheless, it makes me think, you know what? There must be something to this, that God is doing this, that he's bringing... Daniel Duval into these circles that are just two steps away from the president. Two steps, man. Like, what are the what are the odds of having um, people that can go into these dimensions able to be affecting people that are near the president? And and this is the thing about the president. And I I've been talking extensively with uh, Cassandra Watkins recently. We're going to do a lot more shows together. And explore some of this stuff. And she's just got so much um, graciousness and so much spirit of, of encouragement for me. She got she got a prophecy for me, which I have yet to really get into uh, very well. But um, you know, the Lord is able to do anything with us. And I talked to Prang Medic about this too. Prang Medic did a show with Daniel Duval that pretty much started a whole catastrophic. Uh, set of situations, you might say. And, you know, this election, Christians were getting amazing downloads, prophecies, and dreams about this election, about Donald Trump. 
And that just does not happen. I mean, how many times when Ronald Reagan was getting president, did you see Christians just like waking up in the middle of the night with like, we have to vote for this guy. We got to get this guy in office. You know, back then things were a little bit more hazy. You know, it was kind of a dark and sinister kind of a situation back then. We're playing the only music that we can escape copyright from. Yes. Nerd music from Japan. Well, nerd music from Japan is usually actually loaded with biblical themes, believe it or not. If you actually get into anime and manga, not that I have time to do that anymore, but the music and art is cool. Um, you know, you're dealing with, as G.K. Chesterton said, the spirit world let loose. And what we're dealing with now with this stuff is the spirit world let loose. You know, Daniel Duvall talking about people that have gone into other dimensions, time travel, you know, hope, people that have been in the Illuminati. And the point of all that is to say this, that the, mer the, the realms are merging. And you might have heard that for a long time, but now it's actually happening. And how did you expect it to happen? Did you just expect to see ghosts walking around down the street like some, you know, Marvel comics movie? No. It's coming inside of us. It's manifesting. And it's manifesting in realms of politics, religion, um, education, media, what else? Science. You know, Anthony Patch talking about the CERN project. Um, you name it. I mean, it's just going everywhere. And it's, it's in a very humble way, because the Lord is very humble the way that he does things. The devil is very flamboyant. You know, he conducts operations like false flag terror in 9-11. You know, he uh, makes these terror groups like ISIS and, and promotes them, you know, with his Obamas and his Clintons. And all that stuff's been going on. Finally, we are taking over the system. And it wasn't like we had to dismantle the CIA or you know, the Department of Justice or, uh, you know, the Marine Corps. We have great people in all of those sectors, people in the Secret Service, people um, in the Republican Party, who knows, maybe even some of the D Democratic Party. I'm, I'm not a big political person, but now to all my friends out there who have been living in this dark, kind of ragtag, barely making it sort of rebel operation called the Truth Movement, people should realize that this was a Death Star level event of like where we were thinking, you know, it's set in stone. It's going to be the tribulation. You know, there's nothing we can do. It's going to come. We're just going to have to all live in bunkers and, you know, buy food and guns. And, you know, what else we're going to do? Hopefully God won't forget about us to wait. We just got the president elected. It's like, wait a second. We're 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 winning. No, we're not supposed to win. No, we're supposed to. What? This is impossible! What the... And people just... They still don't get it. A lot of people from the old days that wouldn't even be caught dead in a room with a cell phone recording their voice, they still think that everything is under control of the devil. And I think we're in a position now, we're using Facebook and, and all this stuff, so-called, you know, devil's programs, against him. We're we've hijacked his own systems and we're turning the turrets against themselves to decapitate the control center, but we can still take over the rest of their system. Jesus is going to come back and he's going to be in charge of literal physical nations. You know? 
Sure, there's going to be an earthquake that's going to destroy every building on Earth, but I'm sure we can put out a memo on Facebook like, please get out of all buildings. They're all going to go down. We're going to come with Jesus. We're going to build new ones. It's going to be beautiful. You know, uh, this is, by the way, after the rapture and the Battle of Armageddon and after the wrath of God. And, and we're going to get into that. Cassandra really inspired me and said I should I should probably go into my knowledge about eschatology. Not that I'm the geniusest person about that, but... Anyway, here we go. We're going to talk to Daniel Duvall. Here he is. And um, praise the Lord. Hope some of that made sense. I'm going to pass the mic to him. All righty. Greetings, sir. Hello, Daniel. Hey, good morning. Good morning. You're looking good, brother. Well, thank you. I'm going to do a screen capture. Hey, how... Thank you. Is that okay? Can we put? Can we do video here? Um, yeah, I'm just, uh, right now checking my volume on my headset. Okay, well, we're live, just so you know. <laughs> we can edit this later, but it's so good to have you on, Daniel. What yeah, a blessing. Yeah, to be talking to you, man. You said there's, so there's been a lot of action going on your ear. change my headset real quick. Okay. Oh, there you are. Now I can hear you. <laughs> All right. On. We're good. Yeah, so um, so glad to be here. This is uh, going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I thought we only had like forty five minutes, but this this looks like we've got we've got a lot of freedom here to um, burn the bandwidth and cause a lot of ruckus in the enemy's kingdom. Oh yeah, no, um, yeah, we have like well about an hour and forty minutes, hour forty five minutes to <laughs> rock out. So. You know, we're going to just have at it, and um, we, we, we're going to really uh, get into some stuff. Oh, yeah. I titled this just Alters. I don't know if, if you have anything else in your bag of awesomeness that you're, or stuff that's on your heart, but um, obviously we can go in a lot of places, but I mean... The altars thing, I, you're an expert at that. You've been ministering to people for so long. I'm hoping we can um, explore that to a certain extent. I'm getting a little bit of feedback, so maybe I should talk lower or maybe even okay, your volume a little bit. Hold on. All right, try that now. Okay. you have any feedback? All right, testing. Okay, nope, sounds good. Perfect. I, I think we are uh, I think we're all set. So what's been on your menu these days? Mr. Duvall. Yeah, well, um, goodness gracious, what's been on my menu? There's so much to, to, to get into. I mean, um, you know, we spend a lot of our time dealing with the, uh, the extremely high-level complexity of uh, mind control and, um, you know, how that links into satanic ritual abuse, government agendas, um, secret space program, all of this stuff. And so we've, um, we, we, we've had to go from one level to the next. You know, dealing with altars is simply ministering to the brokenness of an individual. That, that's truly, it's, it's just a ministry of inner healing. Um, but we, we are not, that, that's not where we camp out because we're not just dealing with altars with the work we do. We, we're also dealing with high-level demonization and uh, people who are literally plugged into the kingdom of darkness in the heavenly places. So we also have to deal with things like regions of captivity, which we could definitely talk about. Um, we have to deal with 
genetic cleansing, which may sound a little strange, but what we found is that, you know, people are not in bondage because of a sin to uh, smoking or uh, addiction or um, sin because they are bitter um, only. Like, like so they, these are definitely areas of bondage people find themselves in. But we have people come to us that have repented of everything under the sun and everything their mama did, literally. And they're still not free. And what we are finding is that there is this genetic component where you have heavenly powers looking at people as their property because of foreign genetic code that has been embedded into their DNA. And um, if a person is an experiencer or an abductee, like they will tell you they're all about these genetics and, and, and uh, harvesting, swapping, experimenting. And people are a mess, Michael. And um, so we're, we're actually dealing with the fallout from all of that from a ministry perspective. And uh, we, we have certainly achieved quite a bit of revelation, and we have lots of testimonies of breakthrough. It's always interesting to make someone sit down with me and say, well, I think you have a problem with reptilian genetics, and they're like, reptilian a what And the next thing, oh, I'm, I'm taking them through this prayer, and they're bending over and bending backwards, and, you know, everything's spinning, and suddenly, you know, they see this giant reptile emerging out of their, you know, uh, sternum, and it's arguing with them, and they're arguing with you know, we're at point eight of the prayer, and the thing's getting jerked what? out by a, a, rep- a reptilian coming out of there. What? <laughs> you know, it's, these are deliverance sessions, right? And I'm, 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 I'm just talking right now, but a lot of this is what happens in the spirit. It's not physically happening in the actual physical 3D world. Um, so, but like in the spirit, they'll see this stuff going on, and then we get done praying, and you know. Name of Jesus, seal the prayer off, and 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 they're blown away. They're like, I, I would have never known that that is why all of these other problems in my life. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, we're getting the job done in Jesus' name. You know, there's so much we could talk about, Michael. <laughs> well, I I just want to see where God takes us. You know, there's there's a lot of things in the world that are happening. We can talk about um, also what happened with uh, praying medic. You know, this this guy that's also learning and, and teaching others about uh, seeing in the spirit, how to travel in the spirit. I just see a, a kind of a triangulation of these teachings and there's a blowback. There's an, a, um, there's a kickback from uh, religious spirits and people in the church system that they just absolutely are not going to accept one iota of any of this. They're going to call us the new Gnostics. I think that's the new term for mystics is the Gnostics. <laughs> when, I mean, that's a whole thing in itself. Gnosticism is denying the deity of Jesus and going off on weird fictional tangents. This is just, I would call it prophecy and revelation. And some of it might be really accurate. Some of it we'll find out someday, you know, we're seeing through a glass darkly, but I want to know more, you know, I want to know what does Daniel see? Uh. <laughs> wds what does daniel see like like you know going into the future or what we're dealing with right now both um i'm very curious when you in your show in uh discovering the truth with dan duval that when you uh when you or maybe nikki or hope or some of your friends will mention some of the things that you've seen and um, the, you guys don't often get into super detail, but this is the place where you can just let it all out, man. Just, you know, let's just let the chips fall where they may. And uh, we can also talk about the future as well, if, uh, if there's anything on your heart about that. Um, 
Well, you know, with the survivors that come on my program, um, you know, I did a super brave and and I assume this is being recorded right now. Yes, we are live. Michael. Oops, I just lost you there for a second. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, All right, you're back on. We're back on, yeah. I assume we're live right now, correct? Yes, sir, we certainly are. (laughs) But we can always edit this later. There are three people listening right now. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Someone might have heard that. Um, So, you know, with the people uh, that I work with, like Hope and, you know, um, we had done a number of interviews with Nikki and we, we, Elena and Robert Van Dreis Mitchell and, um, you know, well, Dr. Rob Ruckert. Uh, all of these individuals are actually survivors themselves. And um, every survivor that I've had on my program that I've featured has uh, been a survivor that I worked with personally, except for one who went by the name Liz, it's not her actual name, and she was um, a, a client of Dr. Preston Bailey. And um, so it's, with the exception of one, uh, I, every survivor that has been on my program, I've actually personally worked with. And so it, it gives us this unique opportunity to you know, try to vet out and validate what they're actually saying. Because when I work with an individual, you know, and, and I explain it like this, my, my goal when I wake up in the morning, Michael, is not to say, hey, how weird can I get today? Yeah, just strange, weird, make people like feel awkward around me. That's what I want to do. <laughs> I want to see them crawl and like, like, like get uncomfortable. You know, that's not my goal. That's not what I'm out to do. You know, I, I don't get anything from that. And it's not my reward. Um, my goal every morning when I wake up is, is the question, Lord Jesus, how are we going to set your people free today? Like that's, that, that's actually my conversation with God. How, how are we going to set your people free today? Because, you know, the first thing I acknowledge is that Jesus Christ is the healer and the deliverer. I'm the assistant. Like that's the first thing. Second thing, they're his people and I am on assignment to, uh, work with him to get them set free. And when I'm asking the question, how are we going to do this? Then I get the answer. <laughs> oh, today we're going to have to deal with the, uh, you know, serious uh, star system. Or today we're going to, you know, like, and, and that is actually what is required for the freedom and you know jesus said you will know them by the fruit so what i have is i have all of these people you know i've some i've featured on my program many more that i have not featured on my program but i i have worked with coming back and saying oh my gosh daniel the freedom the breakthrough the liberty the the like all this stuff is opening up to people that i'm sitting down working with and 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 the centerpiece of the ministry how are we going to set your people free? The answer makes people uncomfortable. But that's not my problem. That's actually God's problem. So when people come to me and say, well, Daniel, you're a new ager. Or Daniel, you're a Gnostic. I say, well, you are ineffective. So would I rather be by you to uh, being a new ager or Gnostic? Or would I rather have the fruit of Jesus Christ in my life? People set free. You know, testimonies coming in every day, every week. The testimonies coming in for my program, for the people that are getting breakthrough by applying the things we're talking about. Like, 
it, it, it's just excessive. And it's like, dude, I don't want what you got. You, you, you got an accusation. I have fruit. So, you know, that's where um, I, I, I don't really worry too much about the accusations anymore, you know. And, and I, I think one of the cool things is that, you know, uh, Jesus was accused by the religious leaders of his day. I, I think a mark of impact is when religious leaders begin to step up in accusation against a person who is genuinely following Jesus Christ. Amen. Preach it. That, that, that's actually a mark of graduation. It, it's not a mark of, oh, now you're invalidated as a minister because someone is saying evil things about you. Like, just say whatever you want. Like, you know, the people that spoke against Jesus did not have the, and, and this is a thing about, a cool thing, we could talk about authority for a minute here. The, the people that spoke against Jesus, Michael, did not have the authority in the spirit to stop what he came to do. There was no amount of libels or publication that they could have possibly materialized, manifested for no number of people they could have paid off to speak something evil about Jesus. That could have stopped Jesus because the authority that Jesus had walking in his mandate and assignment trumped everything they could muster, period. And, and, and this that is, is what so happened. powerful. I mean, that's is right out of the Bible. It's, they were marveling because he spoke with authority, not as the scribes and Pharisees. He spoke with authority, Mike, because you know what? He received his authority from the Father. This same place Amen. I received my authority from. You know, when, when I'm going out and doing the stuff that I'm doing, like, there's no way I could get away with what we're doing in the Spirit if I had not received a mantle from the Father in heaven himself, which I have. And so it's no number of people that's going to speak out against me that have the authority to actually stop what God is doing. They might make a little ruckus, a ruffle a few feathers, this is what the enemy knows he can do. Now, and this is for people that are going through it. If you are on assignment with God, Michael, and you are in agreement with your assignment, the enemy knows that the people that come against you do not actually have the authority to stop what the Lord is doing. But you do. <laughs> so if he can ruffle a person's feathers to the extent that they trade into bitterness and gossip and accusation, and, and they begin to feed on this, trade on this, and bite the bait, they can shoot themselves in their own foot and sink their own ship on their own authority. And that, that is the snare of the devil. If we, as those that are, you know, just stepping out into some of these, like, edgy things, uh, just resolve to say, you know, we're doing this with Jesus, period. I, I, I don't have any other motive. Um, and he will be my protector. It, 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 that's it. It, it. it just blows right on by. Um, what you're saying is exactly what is happening around us right now. In mm. Not just in the spirit, also in the physical, like with uh, realms of authority in government, family, situations where people are just not, um, they're running out of steam. Like they're, like you said, uh, the devil shoots himself in his own foot. Eventually you don't even have to really do anything. You just keep speaking the truth, taking authority, being, you know, identified with knowing who you are. Let me ask you a, a blunt question, Daniel, who are you in the spirit? Have you ever seen your spirit man or your, your, uh, place, your seat in the spirit? What do you see there? Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> who am I in the spirit? First of all, 
you know, uh, the Bible says that uh, we are a spirit, a soul, and a body, Michael. So um, there's a lot of clarification that goes along with what I'm about to say. So 1 Thessalonians 5.23 breaks down, May the God of all peace sanctify you wholly. I pray your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, um, we are created in the image of God. So, you know, um, God has put an impression of his own manifestation into our design. And um, one of the things that we find is that um, there are seven spirits of God. As a matter of fact, in Revelation chapter 5, the Lamb who has seven eyes, those eyes are the seven spirits of God. Uh, I believe that Isaiah 11 alludes to that when it says, you know, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and um, understanding, the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Those seven, like, you know, I think there's an alignment there, maybe not, you know, but there's definitely seven spirits of God. And there is the Holy Spirit who is God. And so what you actually have is you have this model where um, you, you can have a spirit that has multiple facets. And that's the idea, you know, one spirit, multiple facets. And so in the spirit, um, we all have one spirit, multiple facets. So I have a Daniel spirit, a Daniel soul and a Daniel's body. A Daniel soul, if I were to astral project, which I do not do, um, <laughs> some, Michael, somehow I, I like literally will get on programs on my own program. I'll say, uh -huh. hey, I do not astral project. And people will say, Daniel's teaching astral projection. No, I'm not. <laughs> I remember that. I remember <laughs> someone was afraid of you. I'm afraid he's going to astral project in my room. Daniel's gonna <laughs> so scary. So, so there's a Daniel spirit, a Daniel soul, and Daniel's body. Now, Daniel's soul, that is me. That's the guy you're talking to right now. You know, I'm in my body. It's just me. You know, that's my my humanity. Um, but my spirit, man, um, is in the spirit, and he's connected and anchored to me in my body. But he, the, the spirit man. Um, has a transdimensional nature. I'll prove it to you with Ephesians 2.6, which says that um, we have been raised up and seated together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Like That is present tense right now, or actually past tense. We, when we got saved, that began to apply. Like So how can you be seated in heavenly places and also in your body? Answer, transdimensional nature. So our soul has a slightly different nature than our spirit does. And so in the spirit, um, transdimensional nature manifests in a very interesting way. And one of the things that I learned in, in my journey is that the facets of the human spirit align with something known as um, motivational gifts uh, found in Romans chapter 12. So, so you have these motivational gifts, prophet, teacher, exhorter, uh, giver, servant, ruler, uh, mercy, um, all of these. And they, they apply to the soul, but they have a simultaneous application to the nature of the spirit 
and they actually manifest as facets. And, and so in the ministry, when this is applied, we are often uh, ministering to people's human spirit, which it does require ministry, and, and that's a whole other subject we could get into. Um, but then we'll begin to minister to the different facets. Now, this is all a little, you know, in, intro into answering your question, well, who are you in the spirit? Well, my spirit is uh, so, somewhat of a general in heaven. Um, I command a lot of armies in the spirit. Um, people have seen it, so I don't even need to, like, you know, uh, prove it. I, I, I'm not here to prove anything. I don't, I don't need to. Um, I've, I've prayed with people, and they've seen millions of angels go out in response to what I say. Like, so there's nothing to prove. It just happens. It's, it is true. And so I'm somewhat of a general in the spirit, and it comes with my mantle and mandate to set captives free um, on, on the degree of bondage of, you know, Illuminati survivors. Like, so you kind of need those kinds of resources to get this kind of a job done. It, it's just the way it is. And, um, you know, as it, as it breaks down, I actually have uh, different facets of my spirit doing different things in the spirit, which, which is really interesting. Um, so, like, I have a servant facet of my spirit. It's like a diamond rotate it and look at different facets. So the servant facet of my spirit is, like, always in the throne room of God. So he actually fellowships with God all the time, which is a, a, a part of my spirit that is in residual communion with the Father, like, literally all the time. He's, like, in the temple of God in heaven. Um, as a matter of fact, that that facet of my spirit has this thing he wears. It's like a cloak of humility. It's really cool. And um, Hey, Rick Joyner saw that. Remember? Yeah, Rick Joyner's vision, cloak of humility. Probably the number one most important thing after all this, the armor and the weapons. Right. Yeah, it's very important um, because you, you, if you're in the presence of God a lot, you know, that that glory is you, you're actually in the midst of it all the time. It, it, you absorb it. So, you know, um, that that's one facet of my spirit. There's another facet of my spirit, it, it, the, the ruler portion like of my spirit. And people report this to me all the time. Um, he'll be riding around a lot in the second heaven, actually. And so that facet of my spirit is a part of me that does a lot of the warfare in spirit, commands the armies of heaven, um, will go to war. I, I remember there was one story I was working with a survivor. So cool, right? So, um, you know, they, they're, they're trying to break out of the Illuminati. And where in the spirit, I'm in my body, right? First of all, how does this work? Just like we're talking. So I'm sitting here in my office. I'm on my phone. I'm looking at my computer. I'm talking to them on Skype. And it's the spirit. And we begin to go after this issue in the spirit that's holding them in bondage. So they begin to, they begin to see in the spirit. And they see Jesus show up with all these armies of angels. And they see my spirit there. And um, it, this is in the spirit, but it's out in space, which is a region of the second heaven. And so, so they're like watching this happen, and uh, we're coming against this thing. And, and it, it's, uh, there's this giant fire entity that gets really upset because that's his domain that we are smashing in Jesus' name. So it like rises up and this is like all taking place in like this outer space setting and it begins to come at them in the spirit. And so they're watching and they go into like a little bit of a, you know, nervous state. They're like, oh, my gosh, this giant evil fire entity is charging at me. 
But then they watch my spirit man, that's like, you know, probably the ruler portion in the spirit. He takes his sword and charges the entity and tackles it. Like, and so this is all happening in the spirit while I'm sitting in my desk, looking at my computer, talking like a regular guy. So there's a there's a um, a collaboration between soul and spirit. There's a um, okay, a Daniel. Do you agenda. do you think that could that be happening right now while we're doing this? Do you think there could be some uh, some action in the spirit taking place? Uh, there's always action in the spirit taking place, Michael. <laughs> yes. it, it, this, is, this is just yes. reckless. I <laughs> because you know there, there are. I'm, I'm not even going to go. I, okay, let, let's just stay where we're at right now. <laughs> okay. So, okay. So, so this is uh, happening, and they see my, you know, spirit run, and he tackles it, and I, I, I'm just sitting here, and I'm actually listening. I'm like, really? That's what's happening? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, you know, now suddenly for for a person that does not understand. Biblical revelation on our design. They're going to say, well, Daniel's astral projecting because he was out in the second heaven tackling a demon and he's making stuff up because he's delusional about who he is in the spirit. Like, no. I, that's why I have survivors on my program to tell the story themselves so I don't have to say it. You know, <laughs> it just happens. And, um, but, but in this particular case, right, there, there's a ruler. And it, this was really actually one of the funny things, right? So they said that he, uh, he had his sword out. So I have this really nice big sword and spirit and you know i stabbed it a couple times and then it just got bored so i put the sword away took out the fist and began to punch it and like we actually moved with jesus and the angels like to some other area of the heavens we're working on some stuff they actually looked back in the spirit my ruler was still back there punching this giant fire thing in the face but like 20 minutes later it's like still and um you know i Sometimes I connect to that where it's just like there's this, you know, it, it is actually the um, indignation of God that is flowing through me because God is not happy with the enemy for what he has done to his people. Sometimes I connect into the indignation of God very deeply. Um, it, it's through my spirit uh, because, you know, First Corinthians six seventeen says he who is Joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Not one soul, one spirit. So, you know, my soul is always in a state of, like, catch-up, but my spirit is connected, like, very, very integrally. So, you know, um, one of the things that we've realized, the body of Christ has no idea how powerful we are. What the devil has succeeded in doing is shutting down the spirits of most of the people in the body of Christ to the extent that what I'm saying sounds like Chinese to the majority of the body of Christ because their spirit's so shut down, they don't even acknowledge the fact that they have one. They're living life 100% out of the soul. And so what happens in ministry setting many times, you know, when I sit down with someone, you know, they, they've never even connected with their spirit since birth. And we're ministering to that. And when they do connect with their human spirit, it's like breathing again. It's like, oh my gosh, that's, this, this is the fullness of who God designed me to be right here. I've been living life without this the whole time. And when the devil succeeds in shutting down the spirits of the body of Christ and forcing us to live life completely out of the soul, he keeps us very religious. 
Because the soul actually loves religion because you can base your closeness to God on a list of rules and following a preset uh, set of protocols. That's what the soul does. But the Bible says he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him and, and the Father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, people come to me like, why is my worship so dry? I'm like, probably because you're not worshiping with your spirit. You're worshiping with your soul. And you're very base, and you're just saying words on a screen. But when you worship in spirit, you are in the midst of the presence of God, in his throne room in heaven, in an innumerable company of angels engaging on that level. So people are completely disconnected, Michael. It's sad. And that's one of the things we're really you know, pioneering some ministry to, because I'm actually trying to activate the body of Christ into deeper and more meaningful engagements with God. I want people to know the depths of love that God has for them in ways they never thought were possible. <laughs> anyway, long wow. Answer. Wow. All right. Well, um, before I say anything else here, um, Mystic Mama Storm says, so when you're ministering to a person, does part of you go to where you're ministering? Like sometimes when praying for people, I see what's going on in part of them and walk with them as I have permission to pray for them. And then have you seen fire angels, which I think you said you have. And because uh, she saw them when praying with a group about an SRA girl. And um, I guess, yeah, that's those are the questions so far. Now, I guess when you're, when you're praying with people, do you actually see this stuff with your mind's eye or is it in, do you need to get in a comfortable spot to where you're able to just open yourself to whatever the Lord is going to show you kind of like that? Like when you're doing a deliverance, I mean, it's, it can't be that comfortable. You know, usually I have to kind of be relaxed to get a vision. You know, if there's like somebody writhing around, like screaming and manifesting, you know, it's not going to be easy to see in the spirit what's going on. Um, okay, so how does it work? Okay, so first of all, um, can you go where people are? Have you ever heard the term, there is no distance in prayer? Well, I think so. the, the truth is that there's not. Um, because the God, first of all, God is omnipresent. One of the tenets of Scripture, the, uh, um, the component of who God is. He is omniscient, all-knowing omnipotent, all-powerful, and omnipresent, everywhere present. David said, if I make my bed in Sheol, behold, thou art there. So, so you know, God is everywhere. Now, there's this interesting passage in the Bible where you have um, it written. Through these great and precious promises, we are become partakers of the divine nature. So through the promises of God, we begin to partake of this divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. Okay, so why am I giving you Bible? Because I don't teach mysticism. I teach the word of God. Um, and so when we begin to partake in the nature of God, one of the things we have to ask is, okay, well, what is the divine nature? I'll give you three. Omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent. Those are three components of the nature of God. And what the Bible says is through certain promises, we are able to partake of that nature, meaning we're able to plug into that nature. 
Meaning that if God is everywhere, present all at once, then in him, I can be anywhere he needs me to be when he needs me to be there. Because I'm partaking of his nature in spirit. Simple enough. Now, uh, there's an application of this right in the word of God again. Um, so in Acts 16, 9, it says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So here you have this man from another place in the world that actually does appear to Paul to give him a message. Let's bring this into present day. Um, oh, Lord have mercy. My, Michael, how deep do you really want to go? I mean, seriously. Like, we, we could make this baby or we could really just... How much, how much faith do you got to go as deep as we can possibly go tonight, Daniel, and your morning? Because I'll tell you, a, I'll tell you a little miracle that happened when I was listening to you, and I just was closing my eyes. I'm right now in the very heart of China, the heart of the heart of the heart. It's Taipei, Taiwan, in the main station. Um, because I had an, an emergency, I had to come here, so uh, my microphone is not the best. I'm apologizing for that, but it's clear enough. But I'm actually using uh, a room that I rented <laughs> to have this interview with you. And we just so happen to be doing this right in the heart of China. So I'm like listening to you and I'm just imagining all the things that God has put on you, all the mantles, all the authorities, all the angelic because of his blood on the cross and because according to your faith, be it unto you. And I'm just like thinking, wow, I wonder if I could just invite everything that Daniel's got right here into the heart of China, Taipei, Taiwan main station. And right when I said that, when I, right when I envisioned that, I wasn't even thinking it, just visioning it. You said, I might as well be speaking Chinese. <laughs> and I'm like, no way. <laughs> so if that's not a sign, <laughs> you know, there's no limits here, man. There's no limits. And I, I hope you can bring into the, into all of this tie into this, the identity of the bride of Christ, because your ministry is called bride ministries. And, your whole vision, it's just so vast and, you know, sheep nations and ministering to people that are, you know, SRA victims, satanic ritual abuse victims. But, but how does this all tie into the bride and what kind of an authority do we as Christians have when we, you know, have that identity with Jesus, I guess. And, and just take it as far as you possibly have the faith to go, man. Oh gosh, Mike. Well, I'm going to actually have to, I, I wrote that down because I'm going to come back around to the bride how it all ties in because I'm still still kind of answering this other question. But I, now, now we're going to track and I'm going to get there. So here's the thing. We got this man from Macedonia, Pierce Paul. He gives Paul, hey, we need you in Macedonia. Now this has happened to me, Michael. This has happened to me. I, so what am I saying? I, I'm saying that what happened to the people in the New Testament happens to me. That's it. It's called New Testament Christianity. Um, I'm, I'm laying there in my bed. It's like 11 o'clock at night. This is a few weeks ago. And someone sent me a text. I look at the text. It's like, oh, um, hmm, you know, this is going on and having a hard time. And I'm thinking, all right, this person has been in a lot of spiritual warfare. Their spirit may have gotten captured and put in some kind of region of captivity, which is language I could explain later. And I said, you know, I'm just going to speak and speak into that 
and pray over it so that they can just be free. And I'm not going to call them because it's 11, 15 at night and they sent this text hours ago and they're probably sleeping and I'm tired. So, you know, I, I just begin to go and speak uh, to the freedom of, of their, you know, human spirit. Next thing I know, I'm, I actually hear it in the spirit, not with my physical ear, but with my spiritual ears, right? Because we have spiritual senses. And um, the Bible says you have eyes, but you can't see, and ears, but you can't hear. <laughs> well, sometimes you can hear. And so, you know, it just depends on where you're at with your walk with God. Um, so I, I'm sitting there, and, and I begin to hear, I'm not locked up, Daniel. I'm like, oh, it's you. So I, I actually, you know, have ministered to this person's spirit, man. You know, I've ministered in different parts of their soul. So I actually, you know, know their spirit. Um, even with my soul, I know their spirit. I know who it is. And and I'm like, oh, hey, <laughs> where are you? <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm right here. Now, there's no apparition in my room. I, I did, did no nothing. Did nothing weird happening except for this dialogue in the spirit that's transpiring between uh, me and this person's human spirit. Now, now again, this is not their soul. Astral projection is soul travel, but the spirit is the trans-dimensional component of our design. That's why this is not this is not even astral projection. Because we just do not understand. If, I mean, this is like when we're getting into describing the way human spirit works, it's like going from Newtonian physics to quantum physics. Not all the principles apply. And if you make accusations and judgments against the conclusions of quantum physics based on Newtonian principles, you will always make a case, but it will always fall apart at the end of the day when you try to explain how an electron travels from point A to point B without traveling the space in between. Newtonian physics is incomplete, but you can definitely use it to leverage accusations against quantum physics and the theories that those are, you know, because it's like, well, but this doesn't make sense here. Well, it's, like, it's not supposed to. It's a different set of rules. Anyway, with the spirit, the rules are different. We, we don't understand the mechanics of the spirit yet, uh, not the way we will in a few years. And so we're not in soul travel. This is spirit stuff. And we deal with the human spirit. This is what's happening, right? Paul's getting visited by a man of Macedonia. It's like literally the spirits, the man's human spirit goes to Paul and says, hey, come over here. Well, here I am with this person. Their spirit's there. I don't actually see it. I'm talking to it. And it's all in the spirit. Uh, and, and they're like, listen, Daniel, I'm not locked up, but this is actually what's going on. Blah, blah, blah. Give them, give them a call or give me a call. And, and so I'm having this dialogue with the human spirit and I'm like, it's kind of late. Are you sure they're awake? And, you know, then I realized just how silly the question is because I'm actually talking to the person's spirit. They're going to know whether they're awake or not. <laughs> like, I'm awake. So um, I, I give the person a phone call. Hey, so-and-so. And they're like, Dan? Because they're confused as to why I would be calling them at that time of night, of course. And I'm like, yeah, your spirit ratted you out. Because this is what they told me is going on, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Well, you know what? I am so glad you called. Right. So then I speak a few things, say a few prayers over them. Five, ten minutes. Whole thing is, you know, dealt with everything. They're at peace. Spiritual warfare one fruit manifest. God is glorified. I hang up. I go to sleep. Done. Right. So, you know, 
here we are, we're, we're experiencing New Testament Christianity. This may sound very strange, but you ask the question, can you be where, you know, you are ministering to someone in the spirit? Well, yeah, you can. Um, or sometimes I could just get a download from the Holy Spirit and just speak to something without necessarily having to have my spirit present in that location. Actually, I think it could work either way, you know, because a lot of people, their spirit, like when I meet them, they're sh totally shut down. So honestly, in that person's case, the only thing they could do until their spirit gets some uh, freedom and reinstatement is to get a download from the Holy Spirit and just pray into something from their soul where they are. They're not necessarily going to be there. But, you know, our level of engagement and capacity for doing things expands as our spirit gets stronger. And, uh, you know, this is really funny term. Christians think they know what it means, but they don't. It's called spiritual growth, Michael. And, <laughs> well, you know what some Christians do because we don't get it. We don't have a grid for this. They apply the term spiritual growth to soul expanding into greater and greater degrees of religious agreements. Like, you finally stopped beating your wife, or you finally memorized the chapter of the Bible, or, you know, whatever. You know, uh, yeah. and, this and is on a different platform. It's a totally different another, dimension. Oh. But you get it. You get it. it. It's applying what should be applied to the spirit, to the soul, because we don't have a grid for what we're actually trying to do here. Um, now, sometimes I, I'm praying for people, and... Um, the people tell me, you know, I, I know you're right here or your spirit's right there or he's doing this or you know, I get reports like this. I mean, literally week after week, day after day. It, it's just the way it is at this point. As a matter of fact, you know, Michael, it, it's gone to the point where and, and this is where things got str and this is where things got straight. I'm going to explain something to you because I had a huge accusation come at me because I put a, <laughs> a, a, a post on my Facebook wall. One day. I said they are making fake Daniels. Therefore. If you see a Dandavon spirit, rebuke first and ask questions later. I won't be offended. That's because really sweet. Like, huh? That's really sweet and actually pretty wise. And um, c continue. I have a story about this. You you keep going, sir. Yeah. Well, all right. So I'm going to tell the story. So we, we found that the kingdom of darkness was getting sick and tired of the fact that, like, my spirit can actually take assignments from God in the spirit realm and do things without me having to be physically present or even praying. So they came up with a counterattack. Now, let me explain, right? One example. Um, I, uh, I had someone contact me for two sessions. We did one session. We had another session both the night before the second session. They're in a dream, but they have parts that are in this underground base in another realm. <laughs> and uh, it's a region of captivity. It's, you know, really bad. And, and so what happens is the night before our session, I'm sleeping, they're sleeping, my spirit goes with a whole army of angels into the underground base on another dimensional plane and destroys the base. And all these fragments of that person's humanity, which gets to the conversation of altars, which we haven't even gotten to yet, um, are being actively delivered from that place while I'm sleeping. And my spirit man puts them all in this bus in a safe place and they watch it happen and write it down. They come to me the next day in our session. They said, Daniel, 
last night was amazing. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Um, and, and so they're telling me what, what happened and about all these parts. So then we begin to minister, find the bus, and all of these parts of their humanity come out of the bus. And they're like, yay, we're safe. So they got delivered while I was sleeping by my spirit who's working with the Holy Spirit in the armies of heaven. Like, this is, you know, like not actually a weird thing for me to say, right? Because we just, it just is. It just is what happens. It, it's nothing to be prideful about. It's nothing to be arrogant. I, I don't care. You know, you don't have to believe me. People don't have to believe this happens. I think but people should be empowered by those kind of stories, that they shouldn't just take those visions as like, oh, it's just a dream. Or, oh, it was just my imagination. You know, people should have confidence in in things that god is showing them and and realize that as a son of god or a daughter of god you have the ability to literally reach into someone's soul and find the fragments and go into the bases it reminds me of um inception actually (laughs) right Right. um so so michael i mean this is the thing they got delivered and then we advanced that freedom and, and moved it towards integration and there was fruit and Jesus claimed to set the captives free and to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, one example of many, um, I could go on and on. So they got upset, right? Kingdom of Darkness. They're like, that's it. New plan. We are going to get demons and actual people that do astral project and give them Daniel costumes. So they put a costume on, make themselves look like me, and then they say, and we're going to assault people and violate people and do bad things. So they sent out all these demons with Daniel costumes. And they did, I mean, some of these things sexually assaulted people. And and I'm like, you know, I'm getting little tiny reports here and there. Dear Lord. Oh my God. I'm not kidding. I mean, this is like, so, so people, what people don't understand is that when you are going to engage the kingdom of darkness at a certain level, they will kick back and fight back. They, they're not, they're not just going to take it and just be okay with, you know, the kind of losses they're sustaining. Of course not. And that's happened twice to me too. So, I mean, I, I don't want to steal the, the mic, but just, it sounds like a Rick and Morty episode, man. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> I'll, I'll be done in two minutes, and then I can't wait to hear what you got. I um, put a fa- po- post up on my Facebook wall, and it said, look, if you see a, a Daniel in the spirit, like, rebuke first, ask questions later. If it's my spirit, you are not going to have a problem. Because, you know, if he's taking an assignment from Jesus, rebuking him in the name of Jesus is not going to hurt his feelings, and you'll still get set free anyway. If it's a demon— it's going to go in Jesus' name. Like, you just can't take... Somebody came back and said, after I got attacked by something that looked like you in the spirit, Daniel, I burned all your books. I'm like, the, the, the list of responses on this thing was extensive. Like, all these people say, yeah, they tried that on me. They did try that on me. I remember the night that that happened, and this and that, and you showed up in my dream. Something looked like you, that, and, and they're trying to create confusion in an area where people haven't even fully received a grid to understand why the confusion would be created in the first place. People don't even know what they're retaliating against. And they're just having these confusing experiences. And of course, the whole agenda is to, um, you know, make people question whether or not I am good, right? It's like, no, that guy is definitely bad. Look at what happened with that. It's called a false flag operation. 
they run false flag operations in the spirit. So now, now that I've explained it, you know, hopefully that makes sense to some people. But, you know, of course, there are people that would take that and say, look at this, what Daniel's saying. Can you believe that he would, like, you know, and of course now he's a new ager and he's a Luciferian. And, no, I don't care. But, um, you know, praise God that this is the level that the body of Christ actually can operate at. Because Michael, and this is the encouraging thing, what I'm talking about, go to sleep, my spirit man takes an assignment from Jesus and goes and sets people free, is not just for me. This is something I'm modeling, but it's for the body of Christ. This is where you can operate. This is where your listeners can operate. This is something that the body of Christ can graduate into. You know, whistle while you work, kick the devil in the teeth while you sleep. Like they need a new song for this one. It's really, it's, it's actually really cool. Anyway, I'm done. I want to hear what you have to say, man. Um, I just want to support what you just said because maybe there's people that are wavering and they've heard you before and they're not sure and they're like, well, maybe it is an evil Daniel. Maybe the, maybe the accusations were true that you know this is what he's getting into is Luciferianism and it's astral projection, just like the witches do, and you know all of this controversy is actually true and people should just get rid of Daniel and make sure that, you know, he gets off the air and just pray for more, you know, spiritual warfare to go against him that he won't make any more shows, etc. But what, let me tell you my two stories that happened to me. Um, one of them happened in China as a missionary and the other one happened in Taiwan when I was attending university here studying Chinese. Um, in China, we were ministering to a girl that was in charge of the communist party for her school and she was coming over for our bible studies and she wasn't saved yet now one day she came over she was going to get saved that day with us we were praying the salvation prayer with her and she confided in us and said that i had shown up in her dream and tried to um hack her to death with an axe mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know it's really really kind of like the type of thing i would do you know just go up to like a nice sweet chinese girl and just start doing murdering her and she told us this it was like i had the weirdest dream about you last night that you know you were trying to kill me with an axe i'm like horrified and they're like well you want to pray to receive jesus <laughs> you know and she was like sure her name was kitty if you can believe that she's just she's she looks like hello kitty incarnated she's like the sweetest cutest little thing um of course communist party you know most satanic thing out there one of them her mom gets uh her mom drowns in a pool a year and a half later. So this is real that the enemy really hates us ministering to people on any level. Um, so that happened then in Taiwan. Oh, by the way, I think she's doing okay. The, the girl kidding, but I mean, you know, some, something funky was going on there in China. It's China. They kill people, you know, it's, it's terrible. But here in Taiwan, I met, I met a, um, and witnessed to a super soldier, um, self-proclaimed, but, we had a lot of weird um, confirmations going on with this guy. And he, before he got saved, he was really deep in the Illuminati stuff. He was getting teleported. He, was, he said he was being taken off planet, all kinds of stuff. And he calls me one day, weeping, asking if I was a shapeshifter. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, what? Does he know the stuff I'm listening to? And, and then later we talked, I did a few interviews with him. His name's Aspen posted them audio wasn't good but 
remarkable story. And he was like, yeah, there was this, when I was being taken recently, the last few times, there was a, my handler was you, except he had longer hair and he was not very nice, but he looked exactly like you. And I think the reason was, is that you're my only friend here in Taiwan that, you know, that I can trust, that I confide in. So I believe that they're using you as a way to get me to do more satanic stuff in this Illuminati program. So those are two of my little experiences with people that told me directly. And that guy ended up getting saved and then he got really religious and then he broke all ties with me. <laughs> but for a while we had some amazing uh, prayer times and he was quite a character, that guy, Aspen. Hopefully he'll, we'll get back in touch. But but I just want to say that because I think what you're doing is so important and you're going to inspire a lot of Christians to not just be mystic, you know, um, space cadets on cloud nine all day, like drunken Jesus. And then they say like some people, they're like, I don't do spiritual warfare. I just get drunken Jesus all day. Fine. But you know, guess what? You can do spiritual warfare and it rocks. It's cooler than the most amazing movie ever. You won't even be interested in TV anymore. I mean, the only show that I want to watch now is Rick and Morty. Cause it's like, Hey, this is what we do in the spirit without all the nasty stuff, you know? And, uh, but yeah, that's I, I'm done. I'm done. I, I want I want you to talk more, Daniel. Give us some. Take it farther. Have you? Okay, um, Mystic Mama Storm is asking if you've seen, like, King, she's seen kingdoms and sign people, and she's wondering if you've seen like forests and castles and and I might add to that spaceships. <laughs> you ever see any of this stuff? Okay. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Sha um, doesn't everybody? Uh-huh. <laughs> So the, the, the reality is, um, you know, we deal with, um, I, I, I think putting a biblical framework on this is, is, a, is a little bit helpful. You know, the, uh, once you get into navigating the spirit realm, things get really confusing because you see this here and you run into this thing and you don't know what it is and you don't know why you're there. You don't know why it looks like this. And then you just walk away with an experience, but you don't know where to place it, what kind of grid you can put it on. And, um, you know, one of the the first things to help kind of clarify some stuff is that, look, um, in in the book of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul talks about the third heaven. He says, you know, I know a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. Um, Such a one was caught up to the third heaven and to paradise. So. This idea that there is a third heaven um, where paradise is means that there is therefore a second heaven and also a first heaven. And so in my understanding, uh, I, I basically break up the creation into three main slots. Now, there is a passage that says that Jesus Christ has ascended above all heavens, meaning that even over the third heaven, there is a some something and Jesus Christ is there as well. So. Um, but you know, if you look at the third heaven being a location of paradise, second heaven is something first, first heaven is something, you know, so as you begin to do a Bible study, what you realize is that one, the, the Bible actually says that the birds fly in the heavens, in the heaven, the fowls of the heaven, you'll actually find this language in the book of Genesis and in one of the minor prophets, I, um, I think it's Zephaniah talking about the judgment of God and he's talking about the fowls of the heaven. And that, that, that's first heaven. That's the, that's the sky over our planet. 
physical 3D earth, the air we breathe, where our physical bodies are and our souls interface primarily, we are engaging with the first heaven. Now, second heaven is um, going to be where you find a passage like Ephesians 6.12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers. These are evil things. Uh, principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness, um, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Like So there are these heavenly places with evil in them. And that's where the kingdom of darkness uh, anchors its a lot of its agendas in, in, in the second heaven realms. And then you have third heaven where paradise is. I believe that that's also the location of the father's house. In John 14, you see that Jesus goes to his father's house where he prepares a mansion for us. And um, that mansion is, is like Monet. It's like an estate. And that's a component of our inheritance in him. So. We, um, we, we have these different regions of the heavens. And, you know, there are heavenly places in the third heaven because the Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Those are heavenly places in third heaven. Then you have heavenly places in second heaven where we are at war. As a matter of fact, in, in Ephesians, I believe it's chapter three, it says to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, which heavenly places, right? Not the ones where they've already been, you know, given the boot. So we have second heaven territory where, where you have a lot of conflict. Um, and when you read the book of Daniel, it, Daniel goes on the 21 day fast. The angel of the Lord, many who believe is Gabriel, was sent to speak the word of the Lord to Daniel on some issues. Actually, he gives them all of Daniel 11, this whole prophetic thing about what's going to happen in the future breaking it down, different rulers and kings and kingdoms and stuff. And he was withheld 21 days by the prince of Persia. That means that there is a heavenly host of God serving God and a conflict with the prince of Persia, which is another heavenly host. And that's occurring somewhere. It probably was not on, you know, uh, your front porch. It was probably in a region of the second heaven or the general spirit realm. Um, and, and that conflict continued until Michael shows up and then uh, Gabriel continues his way to Daniel and then speaks the message. So, um, you know, you see angels of the Lord and evil powers all working in the second heaven. Now, when I began to work with survivors and, and try to map this whole thing out, what I concluded is look, it's like you have different regions of the second heaven. Um, the second heaven extends into certain regions underwater, which is where we run into the water spirit kingdom, certain regions under the earth. Which is why the Bible says every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, because there are kingdoms under the earth, and, and uh, that's mostly evil stuff. And then you know we, we ran into stuff in the in, in the high places, um, like this, like like high up in the atmosphere, altitude. You know, um, the Bible says Satan is the prince of the power of the air. So there's like a kingdom in the air, and then there is like the heavenly places that includes components of what we would call outer space, and then it drifts into other realms and dimensions and planes and even alternate timelines. And, and so that gets into a whole other component of this conversation. Now, when you begin to get into the spirit, what you will find is that, you know, if, especially if you're in like places of bondage, you can find yourself encountering things occurring on other planets, especially if you've had a big fragment of your soul that's been trafficked 
to another planet. So sometimes when I say, you know, we're going in and judging realms and collapsing realms, what I'm saying is, yeah, there's this Babylonian soul trade that's cosmic. People are having parts that are shattered in childhood, this and that, whatever. P powers of the heavens are laying claim to them. I don't know if you knew this, but Aries considers himself a king over the planet Mars, right? So some people that are having problems with the principality Aries are also going to have fragments of their humanity that have been uh, trafficked to the planet Mars while they are still with the majority of their person in their physical body on planet Earth. So we're liberating them out of like, uh, you know, underground bases and altars and, um, you know, laboratories on Mars. And they see that in the spirit when we get into the ministry stuff. So this is what I'm talking about. But if a person begins to have the Holy Spirit of truth reveal truth to them, or they connect in during a dream to a piece of their humanity that is in one of these locations, they're going to see stuff that's weird to them. They're like, why am I on Mars? Why am I on a spacecraft? Some of these UFOs are flying around with fragments of people's humanity in like a, uh, like a, a cage or some kind of, you know, containment vessel, um, and, and then it gets stranger than that because we could drift into secret space program. And I can tell you all kinds of stuff we've run into. Very weird. But th these are some of the so, – so a lot of the stuff when, when you, know, you begin to see these things, you are now beginning to interface with what is actually occurring in second heaven places. And um, it's a revelation on what God means to bring justice to through the application of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, and a lot of people, this is, and this is where Christians get really confused, Michael. I'm sorry. I'm just like on my soapbox at this point. People think that because Jesus go, go, go. our sins and we are saved and we are partakers of the of finished work, that means we can't even so much as have a demon. Okay, go ahead and believe that if you want. That is literally one of the most ineffective approaches to walking out your personality imaginable. Because you will just anchor yourself to the bondage that you are in. It simply is not true. And um, this is actually revealed in the book of Acts chapter 8 where you see the, um, the, uh, the magician. He gets saved and baptized under the ministry of Philip. Peter and uh, John come down and they're ministering in the area. The, the guy's name is um, Simon. And, and Peter has a prophetic word for him when he asks to buy the gift uh, that they have to, you know, impart, you know, baptism of the Holy Spirit or whatever. And Paul said, well, your money perish with you. You know, I perceive that you are still in the gall of, uh, uh, of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. That means that a guy who was saved and baptized in the New Testament in Acts chapter 8 was still in spiritual bondage, Michael. That is literally what the Bible says. So for someone to say, Chris, you can't have a demon, I said, well, what about Acts chapter 8? Give me a break, man. This stuff is like so in your face, but, you know, whatever. So anyway, I'm, I'm done piping down. Um, when we get into some of these uh, things, you know, what, what people are seeing, it's a revelation on what God wants to bring a manifestation of the finished work of Jesus Christ to. Because heaven and earth— and I should say the third heaven and earth and a large component of the second heaven are out of alignment. In other words, because of sin, because of death, 
and because of the fact that the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men, what men have surrendered to the kingdoms of darkness has allowed for the kingdoms of darkness to shift the second heaven regions and the earth more and more out of alignment with what is determined, decreed, and established within the third heaven according to the finished work of God. So what God is doing is working to bring everything to alignment, which will come to a head that is a full manifestation at the second coming of Jesus Christ, but right now is not fully established in the lower realms. What that means is, yeah, Jesus finished the work, but that needs to be applied to your life if you're going to be free from your bond of iniquity. That's the situation we're in right now. So when people begin to see some of this stuff, oftentimes that's the Holy Spirit revealing to them, and that's the location I want to set your parts free from. That's the evil power that I want to liberate your generations from. That's the this. That's the that. And that's what we do. Because when people tell me, you know, well, I was in this location, and I had a dream, and I was there, and I saw this or whatever, I'm like... You know, this is not just a subconscious projection. This is a revelation on how Jesus is going to set you free in real time. Let's get in there and get the job done in Jesus' name. Um, so, you know, we've um, definitely done warfare that has occurred in, involving craft, involving other planets, involving regions under the sea, involving regions under the earth, involving regions in the air or the sky. Um, all of that, and it, it's it's very real. These are uh, components of second heaven regions, and, um, and and a lot of them are heavenly places. So, in, so if you if you talk about like a craft, for example, is that considered a physical craft? Do you think in the second heaven that that the Lord could operate out of, or do you think there are just? Uh, I mean, there there is biblical backing to craft that people have seen in the Bible that God rides the clouds and, you know, the different beings use these, these craft, these engines, these, the wheels of Ezekiel. I mean, wh where do you think that fits? And we have some people listening that, that see craft, that see, you know, spirit craft that are heavenly and they're just interested in, to know what other information, and myself included, I worked with some missionaries that used to call on the keys of the kingdom, and then the Lord gave someone a, re a revelation that there were these crafts that were helping to transmit the power of the keys into the spiritual warfare zone. So we used to actually go on road trips, and people would be like, well, Lord, send us a key craft over our car as we drive, you know? And I was just blown away by that. I was like, that's so cool. I want to know more about those things. And um, I'm just curious if you have any, like, details um, regarding that. Um, okay, so I think there's a balance to everything. One, I always go back to a principle. The devil only counterfeits what God has a genuine manifestation of. If God has a throne, Satan has a throne. If God has tongues of the Holy Spirit, Satan has demonic tongues. If God has genuine miracles, Satan has counterfeit miracles. If God has genuine wonders, Satan has counterfeit wonders. So if Satan has craft... God's going to have something. <laughs> and, you know, what we de definitely do see, we, we, we do see, you know, um, the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. I mean, that that to me is um, it's the throne of God. And it's mobile and it's kind of like a craft, you know. And, and, and you see the Lord seated upon this thing. And uh, it's wild. You know, the Bible does say the Lord rides upon the wings of the wind and he rides upon the cherubim. Um, you know, the Bible has a, this term, it applies to this vehicle of God. It's called a Merkabah. 
I mean, it's like okay, it even has its own name. Um, you have chariots of fire. Um, interesting. Uh, people that have reported to me seeing like my spirit in the heavens um, have commented that sometimes he is riding in a chariot, and there are you know all these horses. Like so, there are actually horses of the spirit that will draw these chariots. Um, interesting. I've even used the horses in warfare. Sometimes you know I'm, I'm calling on the armies of heaven or whatever. Sometimes I'd say, horses, go and trample those demons and step on their heads. It actually works, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I mean, all this stuff is like very real, but it's 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 real in this in the realm in which it's manifesting. Um, and and our temptation is to say the only thing that is real is what we can physically see in physical 3D Earth. Well, that's also a, a, a misconception on reality. As a matter of fact, everything that is in the natural must first be established in the spirit. Um, most craft can drift in and out of this dimension. So when you say, are, is the craft spirit or is it physical? Well, it, it's kind of the answer is both. It's typically not in this dimension, but it can come in. And so can the satanic craft, even the military craft, uh, do this thing, you know, and, you know, so, um, like, I, I think there are different categories of craft. I think some craft, you know, like, like what I said, there can be heavenly things, um, and I, I, like, I don't know anything about the key craft. Like that, that's very fascinating to me. Um, and but I, I accept the principle, and uh, I, I think it's, it's really cool. Um, but like, I, I do know that there's these a lot of satanic craft that are components of the kingdom of darkness, and um, there are all kinds of entities that are evil that ride around in these things, and there are military craft which are actually built by humans. Um, that I believe have used demonic revelation and knowledge and science to either reverse engineer or build craft that, you know, they, their origin is this planet. So th that's my thought. So it's like the Nazi bell where you have this weird thing with gravity and mercury that they magnetized and electrified. The, the thing that I, you can watch the Steve Quayle posted the documentary, uh, the Russian documentary about the bell and Antarctica and, and just everything. And they were saying how they figured this out, but it basically translated the craft into some other dimension. So it kind of explains, um, and Stan Deo talks about this too, like how these things kind of don't obey the laws of physics because they're kind of not just in this dimension. So I'm sure, I mean, it's been 70 years, like there must be so many advances into that occult technology that... Um, you know, how do these spirit craft operate? Well, I just, I don't have the answers to that. I'm just curious if anybody else has seen those. And to say that it's all evil isn't really fair. Because, I mean, obviously there are craft in the Bible that God uses and he operates. And the devil just imitates whatever God's got. So, um, you know, as Ellie Marzui says, UFOs are real, burgeoning, and not going away. And he's right. But... Let's not stop with the Nephilim and the giants of Babylon and stuff and the star gods. What's God got? And that's where you come in. And that's where your work, your pioneering work for these years, and I'm just thrilled to be talking to you live after all these years of listening to you, is going to be so key and so integral. And I hope more people will 
take you seriously because the thing about you, Daniel, is you do take yourself seriously. A lot of people get uh, visions. Very few share them. I mean, I can name a few on one hand that I know that do what you do. You know, Ian Clayton is doing this, but he's in another kind of sector of this. But, you know, it's time that we band together on some level and share our prophecies and, and our visions and just, uh, you know, more people will rise. So, yeah. Well, you know, what I, what I found is that sometimes people need permission to receive truth. They need permission. It's like, dude, God loves you, man. You know, sometimes people just need to hear it over and over and over again before they have received the necessary amount of permission that they need to accept truth. It's like, because the devil has so many lies in their ear, like, there's no way God loves you. Look at this evidence. Look at that evidence. What happened in your life? Could God really love you if he let that happen in your life? Blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I can't receive truth right now. I actually can't receive that revelation. And it just takes some time where permission, permission, permission is granted until a person has their walls broken down and they say, you know what, I, I can receive truth on that subject. You know, there are many people, they, that's why people listen to me, because they, they the stuff that I'm talking about, the people on my program I'm talking about is the stuff that they're dealing with. And they are in denial of it because they have not been given permission to be a, a normal person with their sanity and also be experiencing the things that they are going through. They're, they, they're actually not given permission to be a good Christian and have the Lord working in their lives the way he's working in their lives. So they sit on it. They try their best to shut it down to be a, a good Christian. And truly, the Holy Spirit is doing something else. And, and until someone comes along and says, you have permission to partner with God in all these things because he's doing it. They have a hard time. You know, one of the things I'm here to do is give people permission to be who God called them to be. Like, you know, I, I, I this is one of the things, right? You, talk, you asked me about bride, right? But what is God doing with the bride? The book of Acts, Michael, by most theologians, is acknowledged to be unfinished. It's like Luke just got kind of tired and stopped writing. Like, like, yeah, 31 chapters is enough. <laughs> it's like, yeah, you know, let's just go get some coffee. Like, I'll get back to it. Not. And so it, like, the book is unfinished. And, and many people have commented on their ideas why the book is not finished. Um, <laughs> my opinion is because the acts of the Holy Spirit are not finished, Michael. And... What did the, the religious church of our age has done with their powerlessness and their gospel of ignorance of the power of God, they have put the apostles of the first church, the apostles of the Lamb, and, and what the first church did on this pedestal and said, oh, we can never be like them. They were so holy and and amazing and sold out more than we could ever be. How could I ever be like that guy who was just a guy that Jesus found and redeemed? And so we have lowered the bar of expectation on ourselves and said we could never be that great. And actually anybody that uh, 
would would consider themselves to be anywhere near the level of the apostles of the book of Acts it must be just full of pride and arrogance and wicked deceptions. And I'm like, well, are you glorifying Peter or the God that Peter served when you do that? Who gets the glory? No. When you put the apostles of the uh, New Testament, not to take anything away from who they were and what they did, but you put them on a pedestal like that, you make a God out of them and not a God out of the God they served, modeling what God designed us to do. They're they're nothing more than models. And it's an incomplete picture. I'm going to tell you something, Michael. I am here on earth to do greater works than Jesus did. That is actually my assignment. Is it? I will do that. Why? Because Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do, and greater works also will you do because I go to the Father. We have so lowered the standard that we can't even connect with the plans of Jesus for us. It, it, and it's frustrating that being someone that attempts to connect into that, you get accused. Why? Join the club, buddy. (laughs) You're in good company. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) So what is the bride doing? The the, the bride is that says, we agree with you, Jesus. You know, um, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, you you see God's agenda. Um, I'm just going to pull it up real quick. You know, um, while you're doing that, I can um, testify to just the whole point of the bride being so effective that um, every time that I've invoked, just because it basically it says in the end of the Bible in the Revelation, the Spirit and the bride say, "Come." And what the heck does that mean? Is that like is the bride out there as a separate entity that is calling to us, but aren't we the bride? Like it, it's very interesting. And um, a lot of people are seeing the key of David to mean that you're operating out of God's full provision for you in the future, which is why David was able to eat the showbread. And as Ian Clayton says, no crispy David, <laughs> you know, you were supposed to die if you did this stuff that he did and, uh, or, or touch or basically be around the ark. I, I'm not sure what he did that he should have died. But anyway, you're able, the key of David apparently means that you're able to operate in your faith today and pull down provision that is available to you in the future. So it's almost like we're able to tap into our identity as being Mrs. Jesus or however you want to describe it in the future when the New Jerusalem, this amazing city the size of the moon, has landed on the earth and peace on earth forever. And we're able to kind of I don't know, take some of our blessings from our heavenly mansions and whatever we've stored up by our faith. I don't, I don't know how it works, but it's a very mysterious thing. What do you make of that last sentence? The spirit and the bride say, come, and then I'll let you um, continue there. Well, um, I'm not sure I have a full revelation on that scripture, Michael. Um, It's huge, but I, 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 I can say this, you know, um, there's this passage 
in the Bible that, that really brings things into um, context. Hebrews 12, chapter 21 through 23 says, um, you know, and actually just jump right into 22. Hebrews 12, 22, but you have come, you know, and, and note that that is actually a past tense verb, have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. See, uh, it's a misnomer to think that we are waiting for the new Jerusalem. We are already there. And I'm not trying to, you know, you know, I'm just actually trying to flesh out what you just said. Like we are pulling on this thing. Absolutely. hundred percent. It's profound when we begin to connect all the dots. Like, you know, uh, traditional eschatology says, you know, well, Jesus comes back and then he puts this millennial reign and um, then either the New Jerusalem is then or a thousand years, like after the millennial reign is like, you know, a manifestation of New Jerusalem. And it's like, but you have to just ignore Hebrews 12 to do that. Like the New Jerusalem exists right now. So it's it's quite profound, and and um, you know the New Jerusalem is called the bride in Revelation. So what does that mean, right? And then the Bible goes on and it says, you know, uh, the New Jerusalem, that city is the mother of us all. If God is our Father, who is our mother? That city. Uh, and, uh, I never I, thought I, of that before. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, Galatians four twenty six. Um, but the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. So you know what, what are we really working with, Michael? Um, I I mean, this is really going to bend the brain of a lot of people to to graduate into another level of acknowledgement of what the finished work of Jesus Christ actually means. You know, Hebrews chapter um, six details that there are those who have tasted of the powers of the age to come. Um, Whoa, you know, and then coming back to Ephesians chapter five, it says, well, you know, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, right? And so then he goes down and he says a few more things, and he says, look, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And I'm going to do you one better because some people spend all of their time beating themselves up because they had a bad thought and they think that that's the reason why they are have a spot and a wrinkle and they can never be like the true bride of Christ. Well, 
it goes so much deeper than that, Michael. And so I was having a conversation with God the other day. And like I said, you know, one of the reasons, one of the things we've been getting into a lot is this genetic cleansing. As a matter of fact, I have prayers on my website, bridemovement.com, for uh, how to be free from Illuminati bloodline genetics and the freedom from reptilian genetics. And we have a, actually have a whole bunch of genetic cleansing prayers that I haven't even published to my website yet. Um, and, 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 and they're both human and non-human bloodlines. And it's like, what I'm beginning to realize is that the bride of Christ, those that are intended to be part of that company, are enslaved to their very genetics, which are the, a component of the spot and wrinkle that Jesus is cleansing so that we can be presented to him a glorious church. Genetic cleansing will precede the second coming of Jesus Christ, Michael. And this is an, another application of the finished work of Jesus Christ we have found is absolutely necessary because God is redeeming humanity not reptilian genetic code. And that is what people need to be delivered from. It, 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 it doesn't line up with what we've been taught all our lives, but this is where working with survivors has helped me to fully understand what God is really doing in this present time. So Jesus is wanting to receive a wife that has been prepared, you know, not a sloppy jalopy. He wants her to be ready for him. You know, one of the things I tell people, Jesus is not a pedophile. <laughs> he, he's not going to marry a little girl. He's going to marry a full-grown woman because it's the right thing to do. Um, so you got to give her a chance to grow up. Now, uh, do you mind if I, I, I read a little journal entry? Please. Right. I'm shy so, to ask you to, ask, to, to share those private journal entries, but I'm, those are gold, man. So I'm talking to God, right? And this is what he said. He said, uh, part of the manifestation of the sons of God is a component of genetic alignment. The foreign components of the genomes of my people, he said, my people, the foreign components of the genomes of my people is a hindrance that needs correction immediately. The implementation of my plan hinges on the setting apart of a company of people that are in bondage to their very genetics. And then he was telling to me, he said, you know, you've been given many of the secrets and mysteries to executing this work. Today, I will give you another one. There is something known as transubstantiation. Look it up. And of course, I, I, like when I was at that point, I'm like, why would God be talking about some kind of Catholic stuff? But I looked up and transubstantiation is the conversion of the substance of the Eucharistic elements into the body and blood of Christ. That's consecration. Only the appearances of bread and wine still remaining. Right. So then I come back. And God starts talking to me again. And he said, Daniel, the mystical transformation or conversion is the key to unlocking the mystery on how some of the genetic tinkering has been executed. Yes, there are agents that can change a person's genome. There are also mystical applications that spiritually shift a person, leaving the appearance or the hu human appearance, you know, face, two arms, two legs, nose, whatever, intact, um, while fundamentally changing spiritual nature. He said, my people are not only out of alignment with my kingdom, which is his government, they are out of alignment with their own humanity. And then he says, my promises are to be applied to humanity. So um, the work 
And, and he said they do not universally apply to those whose humanity is compromised with abominable characteristics. In other words, the work of the enemy has been comprised, has, has been to compromise humanity to the extent that the kingdom of darkness can legally make a case for the denial of the manifestation of God's promises to people. So we went on. When genome correction is ministered, their legal rights go away. However, it works like transubstantiation. Fundamentally, you are looking at a person, but spiritually there has been a mystical conversion that changes the properties of what is there. People are out of alignment with their humanity by percentages. There is a gradient to this work, and some are in their nature further compromised than others. This is a huge key that will unlock explanation of what you are going to be dealing with more and more. You will find that many issues and bondages are bloodline issues and bondages. Many heavenly powers have mystically entered bloodlines and genomes with their code, and this is not always done through sex. It is done in laboratories and other realms in the past, present, and future. It is this effort that must be ended in the heavens before extensive work can begin to be executed in the earth. Uh, these agendas to dehumanize my children form a centerpiece of heavenly efforts by the kingdom of darkness. And I was writing that. Whoa. Book. I'm like, brilliant. Brilliant. Because what we have found is that when people get like, reptilian code out of their genetics through like renunciation prayers like the one anyone listening to this program can get for free from my website at www.bridemovement.com they begin to experience breakthrough that was formerly being withheld from their lives because those breakthroughs were being um uh, uh diverted legally on the basis of the presence of that evil code which they didn't sign up for. So this thing is um, getting more and more fascinating all the time. Anyway. Amazing how he can say things in prophecy too when you're sitting down journaling. And I know that you you um, really keep sacrosanct your prayer times with the Lord. And isn't it amazing what he can give us in those times if, if you are um, not in like work mode, like I've got to write my book or I've got to do this or that, which... I, I get um, tempted to do as well. Like, oh, I've got two hours. Ooh, I can do so many things. You know, I need to edit this program or I need to do that or talk to this person. And then, but if you can just turn off your dang phone, like today, my phone literally broke. The system corrupted and crashed on this day when we were supposed to have this talk, which I'm using my phone for the internet uh, to do. Everything was like messed up. I had to wait three hours for them to fix it. And you know what I did for that three hours, even though I had my laptop and everything, I was just like, you know what, I'm going to go read journal entries and just kind of get back on top of my spiritual life. And I haven't done this in a while. And it was like lifting myself up from my bootstraps. But now after having done that, when I'm listening to you, I am in a perfect state of rest right now. Like I feel just not tired, but I just feel so open to what God is saying through you. And I hope that I can be transmitting that spirit to anybody else that listens to you because this is so key. And people are going to be drawn to go to your website to uh, utilize those prayers, those um, basically their deliverance prayers against demonic DNA uh, corruption, right? Whether spiritual or physical. Exactly. 
and people need to have this information. You know, um, Ian Clayton's communion prayer about transubstantiation or something. I forget it. I think it was more like, hey, you know, Jesus transfigured before he resurrected. Why can't we? And he said, like, why, you know, you can, you, you eat his flesh and his blood. The Bible says you'll never die. So we should probably pay a lot more attention to communion. But, we'll, you know, um, yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm really curious about what other stuff God shares with you. I know that you, you don't share everything, but whatever you got the faith to share, Daniel. <laughs> and I'm going to ask you some questions about Christian altars too. I want to, I want to ask you, is there, um, any kind of holy use for people to have altars or if we should even call them that? Like, why can people have altars? Why would God allow us to have that if there wasn't, some kind of positive use for it? So um, that's a great question, Michael. And, you know, it's probably the last question because I, I'm running out of time. Um, but uh, very good question. So what, first of all, what is an altar? Um, an altar is a fragment of a person that has... Um, arrived at a uh, place where it has um, achieved its own identity, independent of the uh, individual. Um, is there a, a holy use for altars? Well, let's let's just break it down this way, right? Coming back to the idea that man is spirit, soul, and body. Um, what I've concluded is that, you know, the interface point between the soul and the spirit or is the heart. And you have kind of like the heart being the center of man. You, you have like the spiritual heart that, I mean, it's not, you know, you could call it the subconscious. And that interfaces with the physical heart organ that is the heart of the body. So truly between what you have in the subconscious and you have in the physical body, you have an interface and the, the heart holistically becomes the center of man, the center of spirit, soul, and body. And it's the subconscious. And, and the heart can break, right? Uh, the Bible says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These the Lord will not despise, Psalm fifty-one seventeen. So um, when you're talking about altars, you're talking about uh, what begins as fragmentation, Fragmentation is the shattering of the heart, which will uh, fragment the soul and at times the spirit. And um, that is achieved through trauma. That's achieved. You don't just have an altar because you do are like had a perfect life. You know, an altar will develop like this. Um, a person is, you know, four years old and suddenly they're alone with a not so nice uncle that is taking advantage of them in uh, very uh, sexual ways. And um, they don't know how to get away in the physical from that trauma. So instead of going away in the physical because they can like fight their way to freedom, they go away in their mind. That's the way that we get away. 
So is there a holy use for altars? Well, it begins with a protective mechanism that God has built into humanity to allow us to survive, knowing that we would undergo a lot of trauma living on this planet. Humans have a God-given ability to dissociate, that is to go away in our minds, to escape from trauma that we are enduring. And um, when, when a child goes away in their mind during that event, they can only pull a certain degree of their consciousness away. Some component of their humanity has to stick around because you can't just leave and the body is just, you know, uninhabited. So some component of a person's humanity is always left behind during a traumatic event, but the majority of a person's consciousness can actually be pulled to go away and, and, and basically that means to sink into the subconscious. So what happens as a person goes through repeated traumas of this nature, say, you know, uncle gets them five or six times, they, they learn a strategy. The stimulus has arrived, uncle, and this is beginning to happen. Um, now in response to that, I'm going away and I'm leaving the same part of myself behind that knows how to deal with that trauma. Eventually, that part of the person begins to develop their own identity. Their identity says, I'm dirty. I'm no good, and I deserve what's happening to me, or something like that. Um, so uh, given enough time to develop that piece of the person's humanity that, that is getting left behind, be, splits off, actually, from the rest of that person's core and becomes essentially its own person. That, that's how you develop an alter personality. Now, what evil people do is they know that people dissociate from trauma, so they create strategic traumas and a lot of them to split a person in a lot of directions, and then they begin to give identities, jobs, and assignments to the parts that they are creating through trauma. This is where you get into high-level fragmentation. And this is not new. This did not begin with Mangala. This is actually going back all throughout human history, that they, you know, put people through rituals and they would develop cult-loyal personalities and, you know, parts of their humanity that were capable of, you know, putting knives through babies on an altar while the other part of them wanted to be a good person. And, you know, so people have been divided throughout all of history. This is nothing new. Um, but what happened with Mangala was that they learned how to make a science out of it and pair it with technology that they were marrying to, um, you know, what they were interfacing with from the other realms in, in a very mechanized way. <laughs> so that, that's when you get into the, uh, you know, technological inception of programming vendors. Yeah. And, and we, we have so much research on that. And I know your time is very limited, but my question um, personally, I'm interested, like, okay, well, Paul said I, I can be all things to all men. Um, people might argue that, well, this is only used in a negative sense, but we just talked about how the military is utilizing this for all kinds of stuff. Why, why doesn't the kingdom of God have the ability, like not for everybody to go and brainwash themselves, but do you think there is ever a use for us in the future or even today to, um, be open to that? Or is that just, do you see that as like a purely demonic thing? Answer. When I'm working with people, I follow a strategy called teamwork. That is, when I'm working with a person who's been fragmented and broken, and they've learned association as a lifestyle, 
they will have parts that are very good at certain things. And I will not necessarily move to try to bring integration to all parts because some parts can be very, very in love with Jesus, yet very, very unintegrated and actually help the person to achieve a more stable life than the person would have if I integrated that part. So, yes, once a person has been through this and they're on the other end on the healing journey, sometimes their parts can be extremely helpful and effective. And I even see Jesus working with parts and giving them jobs in the spirit realm and within the person to do things that advance the work of God in the person's life. So God can take what the enemy has done and turn it to good as the person is engaging a healing journey with him. Now, this is the other side of it. When I was talking about facets of the human spirit, this is where we can actually see how being able to shift gears like a person would switch altars can be done in a God-ordained way out of a state of wholeness. I don't actually need my soul fragmented to shift gears and have different facets of my spirit come to the surface and be the primary part of my spirit that's engaging with life. So for instance, when I'm like, you know, teaching people life, my teacher comes to the front. When my teacher portion of my spirit is at the front, I remember scripture more easily. I explain things better. And then he, like my spirit man, will actually be out of my body and teaching, because he doesn't really fit in my body anyway. He's like with me, anchored to me. He'll be in the atmosphere teaching the spirit persons of people while my soul is teaching them with my physical mouth. So it's like a double whammy where I'm, people are actually being taught soul and spirit at the same time because of the way I operate. It's a collaboration between souls. So that facet can flip to the front. And like, let's say I'm de dealing with deliverance, right? So I'm battling some heavy duty demon. My ruler will come to the surface, which is not a very personable guy. I mean, really, it's like all war, all the time, serious, serious, no jokes, no nothing. No nonsense. Man, I'm going to tell that demon where it could take himself and its mama in Jesus' name. And, you know, I may be doing that and in that intense place of warfare. But then as soon as I get done, this little baby part comes up. It's three years old and it leads a lot of sensitivity. Now, it would be helpful if I was a multiple because I could just switch into like a daddy part and be so nice and kind. But I don't have any parts to switch to. But what I can do is I can have the mercy portion of my spirit rotate to the front. And, and as my spirit is rotating to the front, my uh, person and, and the way I engage people will shift dynamically. So I could be warfare mode and literally in one second be kind and sensitive and full of mercy and compassion. Oh, you little poor thing. Oh, here's a piece of bread of life. It is, wow. it's, you know, a piece of ice cream. Here, eat it. Right. And the little is just like, oh, thank you, Daniel. I'm so happy. And so, you know, that helps me to to minister to people, it, which is becoming all things to all men. And that, that's one of the things that will be unlocked in the body of Christ. When we learn to partner with our spirits in the execution of our mandate, we can be all things to all men. And actually, when the spirit is rotating, the way the soul engages will shift. And you do not have to be dissociated to do this. Anyway, thoughts? Wow, that pretty much answers my question because we don't need to go through trauma and torture 
to get to that point. We just need to learn all the facets of God and whatever, you know, I guess whatever we're interested in, like there's no limit to what we can learn and what we can be to people. It's sort of like, there's no limit to how many languages you can learn. Like I can switch to Japanese or Chinese right now. Wouldn't really serve much purpose, but, but we can have those abilities. And I think that's, that's just, that was the thing I've, I've been wanting to ask you for a long time. There was one other question, but I don't know if you have any time. You about you about, you probably got to go. I just okay. Yes or no? Do you think Caroline Hamlet actually physically turned into one of her alters, or was that something that we're we're still on the fence about? Um, what's his name? Uh, the guy that helped her fight reptilians, or helped to deal with reptilians. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, what do you think mm-hmm. about that? Because that's that's kind of well, a game changer if that's true. You know. You know, I, I honestly don't know what happened and the Lord has not confirmed to me what happened. Um, my heart breaks for her because whatever happened, she was flipped and, um, it was, um, extreme and, um, it, does not to me seem like she was the same person that she was during all of the years I sewed myself into her life to help her get free from what was done to her. Um, It, I mean, appeared in every way to me to be another person that was uh, writing um, that came against me and our ministry. And uh, it, it, and also, um, you know, privately contacted many people that we both knew to, uh, you know, verbally slander me and um, do what she did. So uh, what, what I take away from that is if people ever wonder what things would look like if Russ Dizdar's Black Awakening um, scenario played out, is something like that where you see a person you've known and trusted all your life and have many experience with suddenly not be that person anymore and, and, and take actions that are extremely uh, painful and hurtful and uh, confusing. And um, so that's, that's all I can say. That's fine. Yeah. I, um, I, I didn't mean to open up the whole uh, situation with that. We're all experiencing that though. It's, it's kind of like the game of the day. It's just like people turning on each other, especially like close mm-hmm. Christian friends, which is really heartbreaking. And, um, and we can talk about the whole, I mean, if you're interested to, to bring that out in the public, the details and stuff, I guess it's not really probably that necessary. But, um, one other question I had though, was, um, about one thing that you do that's really bothered people, but I think it's amazing is you've talked to their altars on the radio. <laughs> and I think that is just incredible. Um, what's his name that, that went, that traveled into alternate timelines and, uh, had all these like, uh, he just all kind of, he's, he sounds like a little bit feminine and he has all these like little girl altars and you talk to them on the show yeah. And you're like, okay, such and such an altar, come forth. We're going to talk to you now. And then he's like, okay, it's me. (laughs) And then you guys have a conversation. 
I mean, this has probably never happened before on Christian radio. <laughs> um, I don't even know what to ask you about, but I'm just like, man, that is that is something else. If people haven't heard that yet, uh, it's oh my gosh, what was his name? Shoot, Robert Van Dreist Mitchell. Okay, yes, and, uh, yeah, we uh, we did. He gave me permission to do that, and we planned it out and uh, we knew which of his littles were going to come forward and, and talk and share what they had experienced in the other timelines. And, um, you know, it's one thing to have the presenter that is, you know, and, and Robert considers himself the core tell the story that his parts experienced. It's another thing entirely to let the parts who were actually there, tell it from their own perspective. Um, and and so we decided we were going to take that route. He's very brave and open. <laughs> He's not embarrassed um, about what he went through. He he that's one of the things I respect most about him. He he just owns it. He's like, yeah, this is what happened to me. This was my life, and uh, this is what God is redeeming me from. And I'm going to tell the story because it's my job. So we 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 <laughs> we did it, and you know they did a great his parts. They told the story just like they experienced it. And, um, but that's exactly how it works when I talk about, you know, this is what we do. We, we, we engage with people's parts. We minister to them. Um, I will have one individual and many relationships with that one person, different relationships with different parts of them. You know, it's not uncommon for me to have a person who have, you know, a whole team of parts that hate my guts. <laughs> we don't like you, Daniel. You're ruining everything for us. <laughs> little laugh of Jesus name, you know, we'll get you eventually. And another Whoa. person just loved me and loved the help I'm giving the person. And this actually explains a lot of, you know, what spouses go through. People don't understand why one day their spouse will love them and just want to be with them, care about them. And then the next day some trigger happens and they hate their guts. And it's like, how can oh, you wow. be this person Monday and this person Tuesday? It's like yeah. I'm married to two people. Well, you might be married to 50 different people, frankly. You know, like you are actually having different relationships with different parts of a person. You just haven't known what to call what you're dealing with. And we've, you know, been journeying this whole thing so we can tell you you're dealing with altars. But anyway, Michael, this has been a lot of fun. I am out of time. <laughs> hey, we were just getting warmed up, man. I know. Well, we're going to definitely have to do this again. Yeah, I hope you're getting settled in there and, and congratulations on the move and, and marriage and, uh, be praying for you for for all your needs to be abundantly met above and beyond and uh we need you out here in the spirit world i'm inviting everything you've got here to, to taiwan china land to uh take over the whole atmosphere so we need you brother and um I'm, i've got tony floyd here listening he's really into this stuff i'm probably going to actually have him come in if you don't mind at the tail end of this and we're going to just keep the, the broadcast going. we still got another hour of bandwidth to burn. Are you okay with that, sir? Would you mind once you're offline? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You do what All right. you need to do. Okay, um, just to let you know. And I talked for a few minutes before you came on, too. So you're welcome to edit any of that you know, for your show. And, um, you, know, you don't need to have me blabbering on with like crazy music in the background for two hours. With, this is Daniel Duvall's show. Some weirdo talking about random stuff. Anyway, I'll let you go, brother. I know you need to go. Thank um, you, man. Love um, you, man. We will talk very soon. Okay. All right. God bless you. Keep in touch. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye.
Whoa, that was amazing. Hallelujah. Well, that was Daniel Duvall. And I have a feeling like Tony might actually come on here if I can get him. If, if you want to hear some, you know, passing the microphone to, uh, to some of the other crazy stuff that, that goes on, well, there's a lot more that there's a lot more that we can do here, a lot further down the rabbit trail. And if you can believe it, um, some of these people they do see this stuff in ways that uh, you might um, <laughs> you might be surprised. I'm going to put a, a little break tune on here for people to go and take a rest, and uh, we're going to continue the live transmission. And thank you so much for, for riding along with us. Wow. We got Tony Floyd firing up his Skype now. This is a man who is fearless about getting into the spirit. I, <laughs> I'm so excited to have him pop in here. I've only got a little bit of time because i got to catch the last train back home. Thank you, Z. Davidoff said this was awesome and affirming. Thank you for riding along with us, man. We had a lot of comments from uh, Mystic Mama. I hope people will also check out her website, Mystic Mama WordPress. And um, it's just amazing to me how all this stuff is coming together. You know, it's just remarkable. It's redonkulous. And we're going to have more people come out of this, uh, I think, as we continue to share uh, this information that so many people need affirmation for this information to share what they get in the spirit um and that's really my goal like i've seen just in the spirit that my position isn't to really lead people with what i get but to bring out what a lot of other people are getting so um here we got tony floyd here we go with tony floyd he's coming on in yeah, that's me. All right. I can hear you loud and clear. Cool. What's Praise going Lord. on this morning? I missed the interview. That's okay. Um, you you don't have to know <laughs> everything we talked about, except um, just so that if anybody doesn't know who you are, 
you go into the spirit and you do battling and um, absolutely see stuff. And we've had confirmational oh, yeah. uh, spirit war, you know, adventures together. I was yeah. going to mention to Daniel, I, I didn't get around to it because he mentioned the serious star system and like how you people know, can get, a, yeah, people can get a warfare from there. What, what's on your I radar these days? Go ahead. I was on a planet at a planetarium with Brenda and they were talking about Sirius and they were showing us the uh, photo of the year on the universe and everything. We were watching it. And I seen a bunch of things in there. <laughs> so you see things in the way. spirit too, just for people. Oh, I don't yeah, know. You, I, I look at galaxies. I see things. It's like, a lot of these galaxies, it has a ruler over it, and you can clearly see him in the photos. But that's my crazy eyes, brother. Well, we're, <laughs> a lot of us are just getting used to starting to see in the spirit, and um, you know they're afraid; they're not sure what to make of yeah. it. But it's—I mean, you've had physical manifestations after going and fighting these different demons and things and and you're just a warrior like you absolutely love going into battle and combat like all the way yes, weapons drawn <laughs> it's what we love about your brother well you know it's not only that they manifest in some of my photos after the battles i mean that's what i say it's just i'm not just some crazy guy talking a bunch of stuff god gives me photos <laughs> you know it's Really unbelievable and very undeserving and unqualified for it, but he does. So I just receive that and go on, you know. <coughs> I try to help people into the spirit, but, you know, not everybody's called into the ram that we are. And it's hard. Sometimes it's hard to deal with that. But. Well, we're figuring it out little by little. Z. Davidoff says greetings, and that this is a great way to wake up. Where are you oh, right cool. now, Tony? Where? What time is it over there? Uh, let me see. It is quarter to eight a.m. Anchorage, Alaska. And I'm looking at the Chugiak Mountains. It's early morning. Beautiful day. Now, you told me recently that you and your wife were on a hike in, in the mountains and you guys saw something open up on a, a rock face. Yeah. yeah, and I went back out and took photos of that too. And, of course, the doors were shut that day, but I could pretty much see where it was. I got a lot of the photos, uh, just don't have the internet anymore, so I can't really move them from my computer. So... I'm going to have to go somewhere and do that. Got a lot of new photos. Uh, got Planet X. I can almost see it every morning. And I know a lot of people say things against Planet X. And I don't talk about it too much because people just don't believe it. So they'll find out one day that it is very real and it is coming. So... <laughs> Well, God skips me everywhere, Michael. I mean, he's yeah. been with me so much past week. It's unreal what he's showing me and things he's telling me. But I've seen I you. See, you know, I, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Ah, uh, well, a lot of people are talking about the kingdom age. 
you know, I guess cat cur and, and a lot of people are really putting that in there. But, you know, I just cannot see that happening. And I may be very wrong about it. You know, I pray that I am. But there will be a kingdom age, but there's going to be one heck of a battle before that ever comes. So, I well, don't know. The interview we just had with Daniel... Um, he really gets into the battle side of things. I think you'd really like his spirit. But yeah. at the same time, yeah, eventually the kingdom will come. I mean, we'll see it physically manifest. But yeah. uh, first we got to get rid of the satanic government of this planet. Yeah, and that's going to be done by the sons of God, I do believe. And uh, I believe that's a lot of us that Jesus promised when he come, he would bring his reward with him. Well, his reward is eternal life, immortality. And, you know, we're not immortal yet, but yet we are. You know, we just have to go from this skin into a different one. And that's what I believe for, Michael. And when I wore into the spirit, and it's kind of like God, you know, I still wore quite a bit, but he's got me searching for warriors to train people to come into the outer courts of heaven. And that's on my mind a lot lately is the outer courts. You know, it's why does Jesus need an outer courts folks? I mean, it's pretty simple. So where that I am, you may be also. That's what it's for. It's for now. It's not for after you die. You'll be on the inner courts then. So, Kind of maybe how I can explain it a little bit. When my Uncle Bob died, you know, there was a lot of things going on. I was I camped outside in the front yard for two weeks because God told me not to leave. Even though the doctors and everybody saying, oh, it's going to be months and months before he's gone. I watched the Lord take him in two weeks. In two friggin' weeks, the man went from walking and having a good time to he was gone and when jesus came in i had a bad bad ear infection i got bad ears and they run pretty much constantly and so whenever jesus walked into the house to take my uncle bob he stuck his finger in my ear and tickled and felt so good i knew it was jesus he does that stuff to me all the time and so I watched Jesus take Uncle Bob by the hand and pull him from his spirit. And, of course, I watched my cousins, you know, were weeping. And, of course, anybody would be over their father. And uh, <clears throat> so I watched Jesus take him, just his spirit, and he danced him around. He just grabbed both hands and just like a teeter-totter thing, like you were children, just teeter-tottered around in a circle and, Every time he, he would do a circle, my Uncle Bob would get younger. And he danced him towards heaven. And at the end, you know, I skip a lot of it. But at the end, my Uncle Bob stuck his head back out the veil once Jesus took him in. I guess it was into, you know, the holy city because I wasn't allowed to go in there with them. But I watched him dance Uncle Bob behind the veil and he stuck his head out from behind the veil and he told me, oh, it's so real and more than you ever could explain. 
This is a beautiful thing. That is beautiful. Wow. I mean, this is just anybody can start to see, quote unquote, see in the spirit. You just have zero fear. Like, you're not sitting around no. thinking about, like, wait, is there a Bible verse that confirms that I'm allowed to see my Uncle Bob stick his head back from no. behind the veil and tell me that heaven's great? You just see it. Yeah. And I then just, you talk about it. It's great. I just see it, you know, and. But you also engage it, though. You have these um, these spirit oh. trips that you write down, which um, which I also yeah. have, but I don't usually have as much guts as you to share them like that. Have uh, you been getting uh, any of those? The Spirit Wars um, yes. kind of battle uh, adventures and oh, like, yeah. yeah. Well, the Lord told me he came the other day and, well, actually a lot of the spirits, angel spirits came and. And told me that Sedona needed more attention. So, uh, Trailblazer came by, Holy Spirit, and we went and did a little run over in Sedona. And just God's not letting anything happen over there, and He's really quite serious about it. And what what I'm really learning, guys, and it's it's what we have to learn. Let's just, just all go to the story of Philip in the. I believe it was Philip, wasn't it, in the Ethiopian, or was it Stephen? Uh, Philip. You know what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I was think it was Philip. Yeah. Okay, so for years, this has been in my spirit, and God has taught me a lot off of Philip's deal with the Ethiopian. I mean, for years and years, I've been dealing with it. And uh, even just yesterday, and after what had happened in Sedona with Aaron and Zach, and with the mountain, and with that Catholic church over the hoe, over the tunnel, and that's when Jesus started teaching me. And man, this is so awesome, guys. I just, I pray that you can all receive it because it's so beautiful. Is that, you know, we always go around like passing out tracks. God, let me give this man a track. Let me do this. And we try to do everything with our own power, you know, to spread the gospel. And that is just the wrong way to do it, guys. And uh, we must let Holy Spirit lead us to who has been prepared. And as I walked, the Holy Spirit would fly out of me. I mean, just, just, you, you could tell the Holy Spirit had left you not bearing, but you knew he was doing something. He was going because when God puts the spirit in you, you become his forward eyes in his war. It's, God knows everything, and we all know that he knows where every reptilian is, every gray, all of them fallen ones. He knows where every one of them's at. But it's like an unwritten rule of the universe. Man lost it to Satan, and man has to get it back. And God's going to use men, women, children. I see him use children nowadays to get the world, the kingdom back. Which one of us would want Jesus to set his foot on this nasty, filthy, friggin' earth without us, his children, rolling out the red carpet? I mean, that's just, you're serving the king, guys. He's the king of the universe, of the world, of everything. So it's kind of like I wrote a story a long time ago about the unzipping. An angel came down, and I wrote a poem. 
And the angel came down and he unzipped his chest and he sucked the words of the poem up inside of his chest. He zipped his chest back up and he told me, I'm taking this straight to the throne room. This is how it works. That's exactly how it works. The Holy Spirit's in us and he unzips us. And all we have to do is let him out and he'll do the same things that he did with Philip. The long for a long time, I thought Philip ran to the Ethiopian carriage because the Holy Spirit was waiting there, right? That's the way I always seen it whenever in my younger days. But just the last year, God showed me that's not how it worked, is that Philip ran to the carriage so he could be unzipped and the Holy Spirit would go out. And that's the same thing that he found himself, even after the Ethiopian, he found himself some other town, some other continent. I don't, I'm not sure. It's Caesarea, I think, something like that. Wow, that's <laughs> so very that's intriguing. what's going on in my life. Okay. Yeah. Lord's just a lot of times showing me that I should just shut up and unzip and let him out. And this also goes into the th same thing with the courts of heaven. As the Holy Spirit run out of my body into that mountain, I seen everything that the Holy Spirit seen and God seen it at the same time because I obeyed God to take the Holy Spirit to where I was told to. You see what I mean, where I'm getting at? Because of my obedience to God, the Holy Spirit was where God wanted him to be to reveal the evil in that town and in that mountain to the courts of heaven. So after Expand that happened, on that a little bit. You were saying like it wouldn't change unless it was revealed, like God is waiting for wow. his children to expose the works of darkness. There you go. Bingo. And by obeying, if he tells you to go around the block, you go around the block. Because the Holy Spirit wants to see something or wants to do something. With me, he wants to see. So God told me that I was a forward scout in the army, of course, a commander and other things, but teaching me what part of the whole thing, role that we play. And it's just simple obedience to his word and what he tells you. You know, you don't, you don't have to go digging around for God all over the earth. Folks, you already got him. He lives in you. So when we chase other people, you're chasing after what you already have. So what we need to do is move forward into the spirit, to the solid food, to where we can make a difference in this world. That's what's not happening. It's last week I had a vision of the throne room of the outer courts and it was friggin' empty. And that's not what Jesus came for, folks. He came so that the outer court may be full of us, his people. It's, it's crazy that the church has never taught this. But anyway, I'll get back to the story. <laughs> so. The Holy Spirit would come in and out of me, and that's when God taught me that I was a forward scout and that we must take the earth back by simple obedience to him. So anyway, after the Holy Spirit left me and went out into the mountain and came back, I heard a voice say, we're going to take this to the courts of heaven. 
usually when I hear that, that it's going to be the courts of heaven or decision is going to be made, it usually takes three days to get an answer. On the third day of that Sedona deal, that's when I started posting the photos. It's because on the third day, I walked out first thing in the morning, looked up, and the sky was full of spirit angels. They are angels, but they're in the spirit form. They're just not manifested fully yet, but that's going to happen also. <clears throat> and they told me that the verdict was in and that it had been found guilty and that no one was to come or go into that mountain. Now, I'm not talking about flesh. I'm talking about spirit beings. I have nothing to do with warring against the flesh. I'm not allowed to touch a human being or to hurt God's creation in any way, nor would I. But in the spirit world, guys, it's a different story. We can chase, we can destroy. You can't kill them because they're immortal, but you can capture them. God will give you tools to capture them. You can take them to hell. You can have the holy angels take them to hell and chain and bind them. You can bundle them up, set them on the edge of the lake of fire. And recently what God has done is opened up a black hole for me in the galaxy. And I just throw them in there and I just call that father's gunny sack. So you can't kill them, but you can doggone sure take them out of the battle forever. So that's the way I try to do it. And uh, it's kind of where I'm good. at, Michael. Well, I'm I'm really glad to just get you chiming in here. This has been a, a three-hour talk because um, this was something that I've been trying to get for like months, years in the making. But you and I have got to do a full show soon and just just give people more of what could be. You know, like we're both kind of figuring out. Um, nobody, nobody I've ever seen shares their visions as nakedly and openly as you do. You know, people like to, they like to, you know, prop it up with being churchy and sounding smart and looking religious. And, but you just put it all out there. You don't have a religious bone in my body. You don't have any religious spirit at all. (laughs) And people freak out. People with religious spirits freak out around you. They like, and you know what? Honestly, I'm from the church system. I, whenever I get like lapse into, if there's like any last little zombie left in in my castle of the spirit that's from the religious era, it starts freaking out and running around, and you know I got to shoot that thing down because what it is yeah. is a control spirit. It's like, well, hold on, Tony, hold on. Yeah. Well, you don't really know about that, you know. But I, I don't want to yeah. do that. I want to, I don't want to have control over everything. I want to have self control, but. I want the Holy Spirit to control. I knew this guy that used to have visions of him driving a car with the Holy Spirit in the front seat. And I was always like... I've done that. Okay, well, but I was always feeling like, well, shouldn't the Holy Spirit be driving the car? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it was just me being The Holy Spirit is the car. Right? You see what I mean? The Holy Spirit is the car. The Holy Spirit is midnight. The Holy Spirit is trailblazer. It's all the Holy Spirit. It's him that, I mean, we really, 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 really have to think about why Jesus said it's better for me to go or he will not come. And man, people, if you've never prayed to the Holy Spirit, pray to him for a couple of weeks, just a couple of weeks. It is God. 
Pray to him and tell him, I want to see you. I want to meet you. When I started praying like that, I started taking photos of him because he's very real, just as real as Jesus and Father. And he is the timekeeper. He's the gatekeeper. He's the window keeper. He's everything. You're not going to do anything in the spirit without the Holy Spirit. Impossible. And Amen. He's very wonderful. You know, and, and he's wow. the one that comes and shows me my visions and tells me to write. And he he's the one. He's the one that brings me my daily bread. Sometimes he comes so friggin' thick and tangible that I just want to fall down and worship God. And God will tell me, you must learn to stand under my power. It's not for you. It's for other people. It's, it's just like you're a conductor, like an electrical conductor. The Holy Spirit comes in and then he unzips and he flows out and, uh, I could tell you a story about a couple of Jehovah's Witnesses one time. That well, I got to I got to turn this thing off because I'm going to miss the last train in a minute. <laughs> what I can talk to you okay, off air. Okay. I can call you off air, but I have right. to turn off the um, the transmission. So just give me a minute. I'll call you back, brother. It's so good to oh, hear your voice. Yeah. Okay. Would you mind praying for everybody listening to this that they would receive the Holy Spirit? I don't mind the wild oh, Holy Spirit. More God. Just come and I praise you, Jesus. I praise you for being alive. I praise you for your resurrection power, God. I just praise you for bringing us all our daily bread daily, God. Father, I just ask that you would remove the veil from the people's eyes. See that they want to serve you, God. See that they want to see you. Invite them into the outer courts, Holy Spirit. Show them. Father, give them a desire as a magnet that nothing in this world can hold them, Lord. Nothing in this world is worth one ounce of your love, Jesus. Father, let them see that you are coming. Show them that they can know the hour of your coming, Lord. And I just praise you, God, to be with Michael and the Friends Radio Network, with Jenny, God, with everyone in Taiwan, and I know she's in California, Lord, but just be with her, God, and be with everyone that's dear and close to Michael, and let your word go out over the air and out over the universe, Father, that you are the great I am. And in Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Well, brother, stay on the line. I'll call you back in just a minute. And uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us. And just, you know, see, open yourself up to the Lord. See what he shows you. I'm sure there's enough material on this show to, to chew on, to have some some fun. And that's the fire alarm. I better get out of here. All right. Well, God bless you. Down the line. Yeah. All righty. Cool. Okay. All right, man. Give me okay. a buzz back when you get on the train. Cool, cool. Okay, I'll call you in just a minute. All right. Okay, All right. Bye-bye.